Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Unbashful, the podcast that does still exist, I promise you. Um, things have been pretty pretty busy for me lately. I have been in acting school, which is essentially a full-time job, compounded with a part-time job, which makes things pretty tough time-wise. But here we are. We're back. And today, sitting across from me, you guys can't see because there's no cameras, but I have a friend of mine from my acting school here to join me today. We're going to have a fun conversation Brendan Grady, my hey, friend. Thank you be, for coming on here. Of course. Happy to be here. Happy to enjoy a, a fine conversation of our academic and artistic struggles and the fact that we can now do nothing for the next few weeks. So mm-hmm. it's been a blast so far, but happy to come on. For sure, for sure. Just to kind of set the stage of what we're going to be talking about as Brendan Grady, uh, as Grady kind of just pointed out, we're going we're gonna to talk about acting and we're going to talk about our program and the things, uh, the things regarding you know what we like and don't like and whatever. But we're going to be talking about the Jonathan Major situation because that's in the headlines a lot too. We're going to be talking about the state of the industry. Comic book films, blockbuster films seem to be dying. So where 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 are we going from there? We're going to talk about AI and how that could you know are are we in trouble as actors? You know, so a lot of cool things to talk about. But first, Grady, let's talk about you for a little bit, brother. Why acting? I know you have told me you've we've talked about this a little bit, but for our audience right. here, and maybe for some of the people in our class, because I'm sure they might tune in. Why acting? You know, it's a funny story. Uh, it wasn't um, it wasn't easy to get into. Like most folks, it's not always their their initial choice, just due to the whole financial situation and the economic state of Canada, and just the fact that you really need a high paying gig or high paying job to to thrive and survive. So for me, it was more of just kind of having uh, my destiny in my hands and my own control of life and, and just being able to to find uh, a passion and drive to um, not necessarily live, but to enjoy life. Because um, one thing that I was told by uh, a friend of mine's mom was that you're going to be doing this for 50, even maybe 60 years, you might as well enjoy it. And for me, I'm willing to struggle to to push for my passion. And for me... Even when I was uh, as a kid, uh, I used to make skits, used to make funny little YouTube videos, and if you guys remember uh, Vine, Vine, I used to do that a lot. Um, so for me, it was just trying to take my artistic expression and my uh, entertainment to a wider perspective and to, to, to generate wealth from that possibly, and to just... Uh, Enjoy what I do for the rest of my life. I don't really uh, want to hold a hammer for the rest of my life. So, yeah, acting was just the the true choice to take. And for me, I live by my passion and by my destiny, so to speak. So, acting for me, well, it just felt right. So, It's a very good answer. And um, were you... Were you bit by the acting bug, so to speak? Like, did you want to do it when you were younger, but you kind of maybe shelved it a little bit and then came back to it? Or was it something you maybe found, like, when you were, I don't know, 17 or 18? And I'd say uh, I'd say it's like a bug. I'd almost say it's like a, it's like a gene in me. Like, the artistic genetics are in there, you know? Because as mm-hmm. a kid, I... Um, as a young kid, I actually had a thing for the sciences and for archaeology, but... Um, 
growing, um, and I used to watch a lot of, uh, survival things and, like, Steve Irwin and stuff, so I always had, like, kind of a TV thing, and as a kid, I, uh, I had a thing for voice, as I've mentioned before, Mm -hmm. which we'll go into a little more in a minute, but, um, I always wanted to narrate things, and I'd always really liked, uh, David Attenborough, I liked Steve Irwin, as mentioned before, and I just really liked that kind of nature and science aspect of things, and then I started making skits as a kid, but it wasn't really like a serious thing. It was like I didn't really see myself as an actor, more or less as a comedian or entertainer. And then over time, over the years, I'd say that it's manifested into wanting to be an actor, primarily voice acting mm-hmm. or, or narration or even just a podcast like this. Just mm-hmm. something to to uh, express my uh, creation or my um, artistic journey while also having a means to, to, well, survive, right? Everyone, you gotta, I love doing this, but I also realize that I gotta make a, a business front of, uh, off of this, you yeah. know? So, it's, uh, it's been a journey, but over the years I've realized that, yeah, it, it, this is what I wanna do, um, but I'm still in the process of <clears throat> where exactly am I on that. Absolutely, I agree. I think, uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that I, I had it figured all out, and I, I'd also be lying to you if I said that I still have my own doubts and reservations, but yeah, I, I agree with the, the acting and how it's sort of, uh, it was calling to you. I had, I've had that same sort of experience. Um, now, when you talk about voice acting, you mentioned that you want to be a voice actor primarily, correct? Yes. Okay. So after one semester of this program, do you still feel like you want to primarily that like go in that direction of being a voice actor or could you see yourself i mean there's not you know things don't have to be mutually exclusive you can go in both directions but do you still find yourself gravitating more toward voice acting or do you think you could you know maybe step in front of the camera i'd say um i think uh, over the course of the semester i think my perspective and and what i would be open to has widened and I think for me, primarily as uh, as someone who wanted to do voice acting, I see that that door is open more, and I I would do camera and screen because honestly, um, excuse me, for me it's um, it's a passion, and I love to be in things, and I love to collaborate and help create and help create a vision, visualize what someone wants to create as someone who doesn't have just kind of the acting sphere, but also like a lot of us have that sort of creative or directing or or other uh, other factors of that. So um yeah, I'd say that the 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 doors have opened more. Um and I'm just hoping that we I am able to find more of a what's the word I'm looking for? I'd say like a not like a joy, but like a, a curiosity for it. Something that I'd be like draw, uh, driven towards. So yeah, I, I feel like uh, I'd be open to definitely doing film, and well, it pays more, so that's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> yeah, I need money. <clears throat> so you mentioned kind of briefly, you know, uh, directing and writing. Could you ever see yourself stepping behind the camera and going into the more of like, I mean, acting as a part of filmmaking, but really being a part of like, would you ever want to direct something or produce something or write something? Absolutely. I'd love to write. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be, uh, to help create certain things. Like, you know how people who are actors also write or help write episodes or movies or whatever it may be. I'd love to express that. 
and over the I've kind of I wouldn't say I'd want to do that specifically as like a job per se mm-hmm. because of how like strenuous it can be as a writer uh, but what I've heard from professors and from other people who are in the industry is that I have a knack for it. Durani told you that, right? Yeah, yeah. and um, a couple of my, uh, I think, who else said that? It was Durini that said that. Melinda and Peter are also, were like, you know, you're able to, to write the or express these things. And I've just, and then I, I, um, I was a theater student last year. I'm not a theater kid just for... Just for heads up. <laughs> um, actually, I'm a theater student. Like, uh, so no. with the pinky finger. Up too. Yeah, with well, I got my. Actually, uh, uh, oh, you don't know acting. So, um, as a theater student last year, I took my English because it was my first year in college, and my um, my English professor was a comedy writer for the BBC. Um, oh wow, I didn't know that. Uh, she was lovely. Um. And um, she even said herself that like writing is a is a is an aspect of the the creative industry that you should perhaps look into or or delve into. Yeah, I was about to say we're <laughs> touching toes there. Oh. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I the more I hear it now from people that I kind of look up to or kind of see not as like a necessarily uh, authoritarian figure, but someone who has. They have the uh, they have the right to speak, you know. They've they've paid their dues, so to speak. So to hear that from all sorts of ages that are still professors, nonetheless, um, has created a sort of uh, thought in my head that maybe I should try that, you know. And and I never want to close any doors or lose any opportunities. So absolutely, I would look into other aspects like writing and directing. I agree. I think of, uh, I think audience listening will be able to tell you're very articulate in the way you speak and i think that probably just extends to writing as well and even times where i've i've seen you in class like you know the first that that instance that happened at the beginning of the semester with you know you and one of our i won't say her name but she kind of called you out in front of everybody not to you know put pour salt on old wounds you handled yourself very well and while that was a tense situation a lot of people would would kind of uh, panic but you were able to really communicate with how you with with how you were feeling so um i've never seen you write but i i have no doubt that 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 you're probably a, a great writer and, and it, like i said it just extends when you hear somebody talk and you hear the way they explain themselves i think that kind of just extends uh to the page but you mentioned uh theater which which I want to talk about, and I, you've you and I have talked about the theater program. I'm I'm just I'm very interested in it when when you and I talk about it because I've never really done theater. I know it's like a rite of passage as an actor. If you you know you want to get into this, you have to either do theater training or just find a way to get into a play if you want to audition or something. Mm-hmm. So, from your experience in the theater program, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest differences between our program, acting for media, and the theater program? I would say definitely the the intensity of acting, uh, and I don't mean that to discredit film or um, media and other aspects of acting. It's just theater pro- requires you to be a lot more verbal and vocally open as comparing to uh, to film and, and TV. Whereas it, it can happen and has happened. A great instance is um, is the moment where 
you know, you shall not pass. That's mm-hmm. total like theater antics right there. And, and just in other forms of media or like, you know, Patrick Stewart who brings in like a theater kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like flow into, into a lot of things that he's done. You know, like I mentioned, uh, during our assignment, I talked about Star Trek, and I noted that uh, Patrick Stewart's acting throughout the show, there's a lot of theatrical aspects. So, yeah, for, um, the difference would be definitely, obviously, the easy answer is, well, the acting's different, but I would say mm-hmm. that a lot of ways you convey emotion and convey uh, the feeling of things is a lot, you have to be a lot more open, a lot more vocal about that and you have to be able to transcribe that emotion vocally a little more I'd say whereas film can catch a lot of quips and a lot of little facial things it catches your thoughts a lot more right yeah so I would say in 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 the in the shortest term possible is that theater in my mind is a lot of vocal emotion and thought where a camera is a mixture of internal and external that's a great answer yeah I feel yeah, I mean, that makes sense when you're in the acting for media, we're doing a lot of camera work. I know it's it's obviously a theater program, but did you guys ever record anything you did to sort of use it as like, you know, an athlete, they, they watch film mm-hmm. to prepare for the next game? Did you guys ever do anything like that? Or was it just strictly, you know, your teacher would watch you and they'd give you, give you feedback? We, uh, we did film. We filmed their finals. Uh, we filmed some final assignments. Uh, maybe after the show, if I could find that, I'll show you. But, um, Love to see it. But, um, yeah, so they filmed a lot of the final assignments just to kind of show for the next students, like in the next classes, that, you know, this is what you'll be doing, and here's some examples. So for all I know, uh, before the semester ended, that I my videos and my classmates could have been used as examples for the next gen. So it's it's kind of, it's almost like a passing of the torch. So a lot of the film that, we, a lot of the filming that we did for the theater stuff was primarily just to use as examples and then also for our own to to take home and be like i did this or i showed this and just obviously to have uh to to log a memory and to go back to it but we only filmed the finals and from what i had in my class they showed us past classes and their uh their shows and what you can do and um yeah so not a lot of recording, but the, when it was recorded, it was um, it mattered. It was important. Not to say that none of the not every recording matters, but in the academic sense, that it was like a big thing. It was mm-hmm. like the final. What was the average age dynamic? Um, I so what's funny about the theater course is that it fell to my feet due to a failed audition for the program that we were in now. Uh, and honestly, I'm glad that it happened. A lot of things went well, met some good folks, but not to kiss ass or anything. Um, I'd say the, um, Christ, it's hard. I lost my thought. What was the question again? No, no, no problem. So what, what's the, uh, what's the age? Oh, age. But it's fine. You know, that's interesting. Uh, Like, you don't, don't worry about it. I mean, it's fine if we peer off. No, I think I think uh, I'd actually I'd appreciate to hear more of that that route of how the audition you didn't get it, but then you continued going on because I think that speaks to your perseverance. So right, yeah. So um, you know, the, the at first I didn't I didn't choose the theater program by any means of like um, yeah I I got it because I f- I failed an audition um, 
and I didn't prepare well enough for it. I, I was reading off the script a bit, so that kind of gave me the axe. But I took the theater program as not like a means to quit and give up, but just to train and stay active and learn more and get the right skills to audition in the future. And I don't regret making that choice. Maybe my wallet does a little bit, <laughs> but um, but I don't regret the choice because it gave me a lot of... Uh, not only training in the physical, mental, like just the, getting the works in, but it also gave me that historical backing and just an appreciation for the development of the arts over the centuries, really. So, um, yeah. And then also to get back about age, most people were straight out of high school. Most people didn't know what they wanted to do. And for someone like me who kind of has this like almost like God-given passion drive for it, kind of sucks to work with some folks who are not really driven for it so i know exactly what you're talking about and not to get sidetracked but i truly believe when you're done high school unless you're of the few that you know what you want to do and you have a you're, you're dead set on your goal you've known it for your for your entire adolescence i mean then you know all power to you but i truly think most people should take like two to three years after high school and I mean, if, if you can travel, I know it's expensive. I'm speaking like I've traveled. I haven't really traveled, but like, you know, meet new people that have a different perspective from you, work some different jobs and just kind of, uh, know what it's like to be an adult, right? Because when you're in high school, it's such a bubble. And I talk to my younger sister about this all the time because, you know, she's having her respective troubles and, and, you know, and I always tell her I'm, not to downplay what she's going through, but I tell her, like, you know, these four years, they seem like they're everything, but they're a small fraction of what you're about to go through in your entire life. And so is our program itself. It's only two years. So when you're out of it, I think it's important to kind of discover and, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. And then by doing so, you'll find your palate, you'll find what interests you, and then I think you should take a program like acting, because I think you can't really go in, especially in our program, and wing it, and oh, no. uh, just go there to fuck around, because you'll get exposed, and the people around you will be pissed off that you're doing that, and I can say that there's, I don't think that there's anybody in our class that is like, like on the fence, I think everybody wants to be there. But to what you're saying, if you're surrounded by a bunch of, you know, 18, 17, 18 year olds, I'm sure some of them will want to be there, but some of them are probably like, look, my, my fucking mom threw me in this because she wants me out of the house, you know, that, that could be annoying to be around. So, yeah. It's demeaning when people talk about the reason they chose this was because it was like an easy choice and something to do. It's like, to me, it just sounds like a waste of fucking time. Like it's, it, it, it demeans the, um. Like, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. There's some things that you do and what you're paying for, you feel a little silly. But that's kind of the point of things. And you're kind of like learning to kind of accept that like at face, at, at the end of the day, you're pretending to be someone else. That sounds silly, yeah. but people get paid a bajillion freaking dollars to entertain <laughs> millions of people a year. You know what I mean? Billions of people. So at the end of the day, as much as people want to... <clears throat> want to demean the work or make it sound like it's lesser it's like you know like i i get that pal i don't like i oh i'm not gonna make a whole lot or oh i'm doing something silly it's like that's the point pal that's, that's kind of why i chose the whole thing i 
You don't think I know that? You don't, you don't think I, I, I could be still working with hammers and nails and getting paid three times more, but I'm not. So it's like, I know. Stop telling me that I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. It's like, don't demean, don't demean the work. I'm not a freaking business student in college. I'm not in pre, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm on a higher level than the preschool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I shout s- out to business students. I, I took business and I fucking hated it, but that's a story for another day. Uh, it, yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think if, if you're going to go into an acting program, you have to get out of your own way. And I know that's easier said than done. I still have my own problems with that myself. There's some days where I'm, I'm able to access my emotions easier and I'm able to get out of my way easier. And there's some days that I'm not, but you have to try your best to set aside the, the ego and the pride side of it of like, like you said, you know, you're going to embarrass yourself. That's part of the gig, right? I think some of the best movies and performances we've seen, it might've taken 10 takes to get, to get to the final product. They might've embarrassed themselves the eight other takes prior you have to just you have to you have to just accept the fact that you're gonna look like a fucking idiot sometimes. That's part of the job, right? So, um, so we'll, we'll kind of like and uh, we'll, we'll last question about the theater. If you could take one aspect of the program and implement it into our program, and then if you could take one aspect of our program and implement it into the theater program, what would that be? I'd say for the uh, the first, <clears throat> so what would I take from theater and put it into media? Yes. I would say that I would take a lot of the script work and a lot of the uh, dissecting of the work, almost like the surgeon aspect of acting, where you have to dissect That's a good and, put. and put aside. It's like almost like, I like to think of the script as like a science project, like you're dissecting a frog and you have it at face value, your piece of paper is the frog. Every page you open and, you know, make a unit or the tactic for it or, you know, what you're going to do. And, you know, over time, the more we get used to this, the less we might do it, you know, as, as told by professors. But at the starting gate for us newbie actors or actors in training, as I like to say, um, <clears throat> I would say a lot of the script work. Just because of the, having the intellect to take into this class is really relieving. It's like I'm not starting from fresh out flat in a lot of aspects. So I'd say that. For media, um, I'd say more of the vulnerability, more of the train, more of the uh, be more aware of the emotional aspect of things. Because for me, is like vulnerability and opening up can be a challenge. Uh, absolutely being expressive in that sense can be a challenge just because of uh just because of how some people are you know some people are a little more expressive some people aren't uh so i would say that and the reason why i say that is because it's like i i can emotionally be vocal about something i can express something vocally whatever but if I feel it truly and I can dissect it and internalize it, then I can transcribe that much better. Not to say that I don't feel things. It's just sometimes I feel like my acting's flat just because I can't truly connect. But that's why we're here to learn, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a tough part of the job. And I feel, I feel I'm at my best as an actor and I feel like I'm, I'm able to access my emotions in an honest, truthful way when I feel 
comfortable in the environment that I'm in. And when I trust like the people around me, like if I have Mandy running the show, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I could trust her. But if I feel like <clears throat> I'm in an area where I'm not comfortable, it makes it hard to, to, to tap into that. Because I mean, when it comes to acting, you're using every single part of your, your mind, your body, your spirit, your past, your, how you feeling in the present. So it's tough work. It's tough work. I was watching a round table, like, you know, when they do those Hollywood round tables. Yeah. Like yeah. Chadwick Boseman, uh, rest in peace. He said that acting is really a blue collar job. And I agree. You know, you could be an athlete one moment. You can be, you can be a firefighter. You could be an officer. You could be a dancer. You could be a psychologist, like whatever, you know? So you have to pull from all these different parts of your life. Um, so yeah. So, to take it to to our program now, let's talk a little bit about Acting mm-hmm. for Media, which is the name of the program that me and Grady are in. What has been your favorite and least favorite aspect of Acting for Media? I'd say, obviously, for the, for the most part, being is I want to do a lot of speech and vocal stuff. I'd say the training revolving around speech um, and uh, the, the voice acting training that we're getting is a really good experience that... That and the camera work are pretty much in hand in hand as a as a mm-hmm. they're they're too close to put as a first and second. So I'd say definitely the the vocal training, as <clears> well <throat> as the the camera on on screen training and having to be kind of on the technical aspect as well. It's it's just it, it's like we're not in that so to speak environment on a professional level but we're still in that environment and to have uh, even just the smallest experience of that is, is is really uh it's exciting it's 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 it opens you up to learn and and it's like you know when we're just kind of doing the camera work it's like i just want to fucking learn i don't care about any other things or i look dumb or whatever it's like mm-hmm. it's just it's fun and it's a great experience the least favorite, I would say, is kind of the um, the delve into the sort of like you know the the acting and and human aspects of things, like you know like oh um, like I'm a person who believes in the in the complexities of humanity and life experience because knowing aspects of life or having those experiences, whether it's your own or someone close to you, it gives you a, a wider understanding of humanity and its complexities, but there's just sometimes where things are just so fucking pretentious, like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, oh, how do you feel about the thoughts in your mind and the world around you? It's like, yeah, yeah like, I, I I, don't know, just some things almost feel like it's like, I talk, I can talk with this with my, with my therapist, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't need this, you know what I mean? Like, you do and you don't, you know what I mean? Like, I I can't say that we don't need it because I'm the one paying to be trained, and you know what I mean? Like, and it's no disrespect to the work, it's just sometimes some things that we've personally delved into just seems a bit pretentious, you know what I mean? Like, I'm open for emotional discovery and open thought, but just some things that almost seem kind of like nepotist in a way, like, oh, we're actors, we're just born to be expressive, we're higher levels of thinkers than you, it's like, (laughs) no, I was some, like, drifter, like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I got out of high school, and I worked a bunch of labor gigs, and then I just said, screw it, you know, I want to do acting, because I really like being artistic and expressive, and it's just like... I didn't ever, I didn't ever think of it as like my full time life job because it was like 
god given to me the the the, the passion and drive was the freaking gig wasn't given to me on a golden platter like it's yeah. just some things that are said it's like we get it you had the you had the you had the the privilege as a lot of people like to throw around now mm-hmm. the privilege to do it and you're such a high level artistic thinker it's like no some i like to think as most actors as just humans not these great geniuses and there's a lot of smart folks out there but they're just people yeah with a lot of training and we're just people who are training <laughs> yeah I, I i agree i think uh sometimes when we're when we're in our program and uh and when we're in our certain classes, which we will not name, a lot of it feels like it's this, you know, ultra-profound, you know, thought-provoking, like, we're sitting in, like, an Oxford library, sipping on our tea, and, like, it's not always that that deep, you know? Uh, yeah. And not, not that, like, pretentious. Like, and, and I agree with some some people find their way to acting in a in a pretty, like, untraditional way i sort of found my way to it in a similar way that you did i i myself kind of drifted to a little bit and then it just i found my way to it it wasn't this like you know fucking epiphany where i was sitting in a sitting in a field and a gust of wind passed my face like oh I know what I need to do. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a fucking actor now. Oh yeah. my god! It's like I had a fucking Isaac Newton moment. I yeah, exactly. Apple hit my head, and I'm a fucking actor now. It's like no, you just kind of. It's like yeah, this is cool. I just watched a, a, yeah. a bunch of movies, man, and and I was just like inspired, and, and and I was watching a bunch of movies, and I was like, damn, like that is so, so convincing, and it looks like so much. Just it, it looks so satisfying, and I've never wanted to do acting for any of the wrong reasons and i know you don't want to either like i never saw it like oh i would love to walk on the red carpet let me try it. like no it's because uh what brought me to acting was the way i felt watching some of my favorite performances and i thought if there's ever a way that i can make somebody feel that way and make them feel this might sound a little bit pretentious make them feel seen that's sort of what brought me to it but yeah, it wasn't this, like, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> no, I get it, man. Like, honestly, at the end of the day, I wanted to be an entertainer, and I just kind of, like, fell into acting. I, I honestly, I I wanted to be, like, a comedian, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to do comedy and all that stuff, and I did it, like, a couple of times here and there, pussied out more times than I did it, and I just said, you know what, like... Yeah, you know, comedy, and then I kind of thought of the voice acting and the narration. I'd be like, I'd really like to do the voice stuff. And then it just kind of fell into like, yeah, acting for media, you know, that sounds like a really sweet thing to do. It, 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 and like it, it, it encompasses a lot of things and also gives me more training because for me, it's like, I'm not gonna specify or if i wanted to do one thing i could you know like fucking go do some private school shit or whatever but for me it was like i want to learn it all and then be trained in the in 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 every little facet which is why i also did the theater as well it's just to, to constantly train and just stay on top of it you know not to like lose a passion or anything and be like a total acting robot but just to be like if this is something i want to do for the rest of my life then i want to spend the rest of my life learning and training and getting better you know it's it, exactly. we're like athletes you know what i mean at some point you're gonna be in your twilight years and you're gonna have to do other things but i'm 23 in the prime like i need to 
Exactly. I'm not drafted yet, so I got to get my draft stock up, you know? Yeah. No, I think we're, as actors, we're still in our infancy. We're still learning how it is. And I love, the reason why I love acting so much compared to, you know, athletics is, as you just said, you have, I mean, we all have a finite amount of time here, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to athletics specifically, like, there really is a finite amount of time. Like, for example, right now, if we were both trying to make it to the NBA, we'd already be done, you know, because, you know, you could go undrafted, but if you miss the draft, it's, it's a pretty tough hill to climb. And, and even now, I mean, we'd all, we would already be like halfway through our academic years or uh, athletic years, excuse me. But we're, when it comes to acting, I mean, some of the greatest actors of all time and actresses uh, didn't start till they were like 40 after spending the first half of their life in an entirely different career. So it just, it finds people at different points in their lives and there is no, there is no like, I don't know, like there is no guidebook or, or no. rule book on where to start, how to do it. Like there's so many different ways you can go, which in and of itself can be an overwhelming thing. Cause it's like, well, how do I start? Do I go to acting school? Do I not go to acting school? Like, um, but where was I going with this? I'm on a fucking tangent right now. Um, there's no defin- yeah. definitive like age to start. Exactly. And it doesn't end till you die. You exactly. know? It's not like sports where it's like, you know, you reach like, you're fucking early to mid 30s and you're out the door playing in Euro League. No disrespect to the European leagues. God bless the fun. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, sports sense, you and I would already be playing for the Shanghai Sharks or whatever. You know what I mean? We, we'd You're be playing fucking, with Jimmer Fredette. Yeah, I'd be playing yeah. in like Taiwan right now. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking done. Like, my career's out the door. But like, in acting, it's like, you know, I'm like. I'm knocking on death's door already. Yeah. It's like, I'm. Going on to 24, it's like, you know, I'm like six years away from 30, and at this point, it's like, you know, it's like, it's not the end of the world, and for folks like uh, Nicholas and I, is that we really, is we have the life experience and the backing and, and the work experience to be like, yeah, you know, as much as we don't want that to be the reality, it's like we can drift back into obscurity, as pe- people say, you know what I mean? We're not totally stranded, and come back into it but that's kind of the thing about the industry is that it fluctuates so much and part of me kind of wishes we were born a few uh, decades earlier so it could be like ah yeah i'm george lucas i need someone to do my movie and it's this fucking harrison ford walks in you need you need your fucking house fixed yeah he there's was a contractor yeah. it's like i i wish <laughs> sometimes man that's truly how it works out right place right time I, yeah he was a carpenter and he was yep. hey uh, you you could play this uh, han solo guy chris pratt uh i don't know if have you ever heard his story no i have an actor no it's really interesting he was doing door-to-door sales oh and uh and he was in like a very i guess like a rich neighborhood right. and he saw this one lady and he was like oh i know her she's in the movies I'm going to go knock on her door. Mm-hmm. And then he knocked on her door and she was like, oh, you're cute. Do you act? And he was like, fuck yeah, I act. He had no acting experience. And she was like, here, uh, do this, you know, uh, come and audition and uh, we'll see what you got. And it ended up working out for him. So that's what a lot of it is. Um, now he's stealing voice roles, <laughs> doing fuck the, all. The fucking memes of Chris Brown. <laughs> That that video you posted where he's like, uh, I gotta play Henry the Eighth in twenty minutes. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Got it. And it's like, <laughs> I no, got it. I wish that I was so big of an actor that I could just be like, what's my vocal range as a voice actor? Hmm. Yeah. My voice. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, I have to do Garfield. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Garfield. Okay, now I have to do Mario. Um, 
this is a hard one. Uh, sorry, guys. Hold on. This is really hard. <clears throat> it's me, Mario. <laughs> I have to walk in the 10,000 10, steps in the character. It's like, Meanwhile, it's just like, it's me, Mario. It's like, I don't want to, like, I'm not one of those, like, pompous voice actors. I'm not even a voice actor, so I'm going to be like, oh my god, you're destroying my jobs. It's like, yeah, it's Chris Pratt, okay? Like, the guy's name yeah. brings in a, a wad of cash in yeah, itself. Commercial, but, like, yeah, draw. Absolutely. But, like, Which... buddy, like, dude, like, you did, like, a Boston accent. Fair enough for Mario, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I watched the Super Mario show as a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if Captain Lou Albano was still alive, I'd love that alcoholic to do this one. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, at least do something. And then the Garfield one is like, you know, like, obviously we're not going to get what's-his-name out of the grave, but... um, I know who you're talking about. Hey, somebody raised a good point. They're like, you know, when you play the Mario games, you hear the quips and you hear the, you know, the, it's a me. But, like, would you want to listen to that for two hours? No, obviously not. But at the same time, you know, bring a little. That's why every that's character why, yeah, to yeah, it. You yeah, know? yeah, that's that's why every show and every bit of media that did it, like a Mario thing, he didn't sound like it's me, Mario. I'm a, I'm an yeah. Italian. No, he was like, I'm from Mario. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm uh, I'm uh, from the Bronx. Who like, the it fuck was, are you? Hey, get the <laughs> fuck out, Luigi. Get this douchebag out of here. It's like you know what I mean. Get like they were like fucking gabagool. And they, yeah. they were Italian American plumbers. Like you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. like. Yeah, they gave him like that, like yippity voice, but like they even then themselves. No disrespect to no Charles Martin. Charles Martinet, like I, I'm sad that he retired as the voice, but you know the guy has paid his dues and he's a wonderful voice artist. Absolutely, uh, and no disrespect to him, but absolutely, I would not want to hear that for two hours straight. (laughs) Like, let's be honest with. I think he even him himself would be like. Fuck man, I can't can't do this for. I'm like 75. Like I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. And like, if you watch the movie, he's there for like five seconds. So they did have him there. So. Did, did you see the? I, I mean, you, well, you saw the movie, obviously. Yeah. What did you think of it? Honestly, I thought that it. Um, I'm glad that you know, like Nintendo. Kind of, I'm not a Nintendo person. Like, I'm not like a total neckbeard redditor or anything. But I'll say this much: like, I'm glad that I'm so glad that Nintendo got in and made sure that Illumination didn't do some stupid minion jokes. Like, no, because like Illumination makes great animated movies, but their writing is pretty. So, um. Yeah. I would say that to have Nintendo's graces and be like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. I thought that was great. Um, it's a kid's movie. It's not meant for me, so I'm not going to be like, oh my god, <laughs> Mario movie's not what I wanted. It's like, your time's passed, Paisano. You're almost 30. It's time to grow up a little. It's like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, I, yeah. I, I totally, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I watch a lot of the movie critics and a lot of them went really hard on the Mario movie, and they said it's it's not good. It's a it's a bland story. And like, look, you're not going to look at it with the same critical eye you would when you're when you're looking at like fucking Oppenheimer, for example. Like, no. they're two different movies. You're not the audience. It's for your fucking nephew, you know, who's like ten. Okay, like they're not looking for some highbrow cinema concept of you know altruism and you know a deep introspect like they're not looking for any of that stuff you know they're they're just looking to be entertained with some bright colors and whatever so i thought it was all right it was funny i went to see the movie i i see movies alone a lot it's i i enjoy it. it's like therapy for me mm-hmm. and i saw the mario movie alone 
and uh, I saw it. I, th- I think I saw it on opening weekend. And man, the I, I to be fair, I looked kind of I objectively looked a little odd. I was in my my kind of like hobo drip. I wasn't wasn't really you know I'm going to the fucking movies, right? I'm not going there to for to 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 you know this go on the, the runway. This is the premiere, yeah, exactly. But I was wearing some like pretty baggy dark clothes, and all these fucking parents, man, were looking at me like I was like. Uh, like about Police? to shoot up the place. Like um, no, like. <laughs> Hello, nine one one. There is a uh, homeless man watching the Mario movie, and I think he's rustling in his pants. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. that is. It's yeah. like no, pal. I'm just trying to watch a movie. Like, trying to watch fucking Mario. I, I get, can your kid keep it down? I'm trying to watch a cinematic fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to watch a movie. I'm here to watch a film. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, here to watch, watch a film. film. Fucking, There's a difference. You little shit. I, I don't care. Yeah. Mario Kart. All right, we're playing Mario Kart. We I'm gonna make you cry on the way home, all right? Yeah. Let me whip out that bad boy real quick. <laughs> Let me yank out my switch during the middle. <laughs> um, you are not a Play gamer. Play some fucking wonder while. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh uh, my god. You know what? It's like when the kids got their fix of that movie. I could only imagine what the Nintendo crowd was like oh, in those yeah. theaters. Oh Christ above! Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I got it online because uh, my initial thing was like, a I don't want to be in a theater full of children. Not yeah. their fault, but just, you know, my brain can only take so many sound waves at once. <laughs> and two, yeah. is that I didn't want to be in there with a bunch of Redditors oh. and a bunch of neckbeards. <laughs> oh my god, Nintendo. It's like you're like 35 watching like Disney movies all the time and playing Nintendo games. Like everyone has their thing, but Everyone's I'm going to be, their, yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah, gonna yeah. be a little judgmental if you're kind of like a bit of a, like you can enjoy things but you know folks, you know who I'm talking about, all right? You know exactly <laughs> what I mean. Total like Disney adults they're cringe, all right? You know, you can like Disney, and you can enjoy Disney, and you can be in touch with your childhood, but if it's your entire fucking personality, uh, yeah. I um, I want to dropkick you, no offense. <laughs> Respectfully, I want to 619 you like Rey Mysterio <laughs> and dropkick you. Um, so, uh. you know, it's like, I don't want to be stuck in a crowd like that. Like, I just want to be like... I don't want to, like, be judgmental, but I kind of want to just be, like, normal and just enjoy a a movie, like, that's brainless. It's like, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, Nintendo, oh, my God, yeah, (laughs) or be like, you know, like, some, like, fucking, like, man-child, like, mommy, mommy, can we go to the Mario movie? It's like, no, it's like, can I borrow your visa? Mom, can I please have a little money for the movie? It's like, no, fucking, like, I just want to enjoy something, man, like, but, like, people are cringe, folks. That's the, that's, the, that's the that's the advice to take from today's. Everyone's cringe. Everyone. You know, we're all cringy in our own respective ways. I mean, I'm sure people probably look at my private Instagram stories and think, "What the fuck is this guy on?" Like, I'm just spamming memes and shit. But you know, if you can't look at yourself and be self-aware and say, "You know what? I got some cringe aspects to me," then I don't know, man. I think your ego is a little a little yeah. too big. But you know what? You know what I will say though. Uh, to circle back to like the audiences, like the kids weren't even like nearly as loud as you know. How I told you on the way here how I saw the boy and the heron. Yeah. Those fuckers sitting in front of me were ten times worse than any of those kids in the audience when I saw Mario. Man, this is for you, uh, anime nerds out there. You're, yeah, you're getting flamed. To so, to kind of sit, you know, provide context, uh, I saw the boy and the heron a few days ago. And I can't even really tell you how I feel about the movie because these little fucking rats sitting in front of me were so goddamn obnoxious, so loud. They're, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
don't don't get me wrong and I, I told Grady this you know when I was like 17 years old I was a little shit disturber course, I, yeah. I you know I I caused trouble here and there but I always respected the theater going experience because you got people working for their money to spend their two hours there and and some people don't live close some people got to pay gas to get there and you're in there acting like a fucking fool you're gonna ruin it for everybody so that that total that that's that's one of my biggest pet peeves so anyways <laughs> actually here that, that makes a good question what mm-hmm. have you ever had a really shitty theater experience like is there is there one for you that stands out when you're like oh <laughs> hmm as someone who's been on the end of that as a kid who's gotten told to shut up at a film once because I'm the same way that's me. a humbling experience it is and you know what yeah. and never in my life did I ever do that I was just you know a young teenager out with a buddy and I didn't really realize like you know you're having a little too much fun here you're kind of making it obnoxious like that was only my one mistake in life excuse me allow me to eat this real quick mm. my man is just inhaling a croissant mm. just allow him to let that let the indigestion pass god that's so good alright um, <laughs> I would say my worst experience would have been um you know, it's hard because for me, I've been lucky in my life that I haven't really had a lot of whole obnoxious theater experiences, but I'd say actually my worst experience wasn't even in Canada. It was in Florida. Um, <laughs> of course. Surprise, surprise. Fucking <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise, right? Yeah. The, the South. Um, so, the kids around my age at the time, I was like 18, 19, going to see uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. I'm an, uh, God, I hate the fucking sequels um so honestly it was like you know a group of kids probably like four or five of them and they were a couple rows down and they were chatting at first and like the first five minutes or whatever so i'm like whatever i can live with that you know what i mean it's just like typical star wars opening it takes like a million years to start so i'm like whatever like we've been around the block with this i can read it and be like dull people out like i can not listen but it was just like Half an hour in just, like, fanboying and, like, blowing on, like, sorry to be graphic, but, uh, splooging in their pants over, like, oh my god, Star Wars everything, oh my god, it's, uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, and it's like, shut up, I'm trying to enjoy a film, and I don't really wanna, how do I say this quietly, listen to you complaining over, or, 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 or cooming over Star Wars, alright, I don't need... <laughs> southern redditors telling me like oh my god dude you see star wars movie oh my god are they gonna use metachlorians like i'm a big dork too i'm a huge sci-fi oh, a nerd, nerd yeah. an rpg nerd and fucking like i grew up with all this stuff but at mm. the same time it's like you gotta have a filter like you know what i Absolutely. mean like or you gotta like you're saying like just shut the fuck up i'm trying to watch a movie like you just i don't know you yeah. gotta have a filter you gotta be able to be able to time hold and the a excitement. Yeah, time and a place. Yeah. Time and a place. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you said, if if it's warranted, like if there's genuinely like a comedic scene, yeah, I don't I don't care if people laugh, but if you're mm-hmm. just like, if somebody opens a door and that's enough to blow your fucking hair back, like I, I think I, I think you gotta like chill the fuck out. chill the fuck out you know it's like i don't know i didn't pay fucking like 25 30 bucks for the director's cut from some fucking schmuck in front of me like i didn't want to hear it like yeah hmm, my f- 
My girlfriend is FaceTiming me. Uh, we have a call. A video oh, call. Oh, I was going to say she could have made a cameo appearance, but I guess not. Oh, no. Um, anyways. Yeah, so, uh, circle back to acting here. We'll go a little, we're going to take a little break in a bit, and then we'll, we'll talk about some news. But a couple last questions here to bang out. Uh, pause. Um, Grady, hey, how yo. would you define success as an actor? Because I think this is a pretty interesting thing. Everybody has their own definition of, of what success looks like. As someone who's not entirely like fixated on the whole, like I need to be like a gajillionaire actor, red carpet. Like I'm not fixated on that. For mm-hmm. me, it's like if you can steadily work and live off of your work and be just yeah, just steadily work, just constantly finding jobs or getting gigs or getting callbacks or. Or being in the, not necessarily the spotlight or limelight, but just being, like, noticed or heard. Or, like, you know, your name's in the hat. And it doesn't have to be something great and grand. Like, for me, as, like, a voice actor and what our a wannabe voice actor, I should say, pardon me. You are a voice actor. Manifested, brother. I'm a, a nerd. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Uh, I would say that for voice acting is that if you get a gig from what I've heard from my professors and from people that I've, I've conversed with in the industry is that if you get a gig in that industry, you're gonna get you're gonna get called back or you're gonna have a higher chance of getting called back. So for me, my mindset was always in voice acting of being like, you know, there's always there's a couple of guys you hear in cartoons as a kid, and a lot of Canadian cartoons like there are a lot of they're consistently like the same people in there or similar people or you know you'll you'll catch a voice or you'll hear a guy and be like oh that guy's in like fifty other things it's like you know that guy can live off of that and he can enjoy his life off of that and obviously a lot of these folks have different. Um, different uh, means of income that are still in the creative aspect so for me it's not about fame or necessarily success but um what's the word i'm looking for i'd say like a flow you know an even flow Mm -hmm. consistent work for me equals success because it shows that people want you and only you or that they think about you and they know that you have what it takes to to get the job done or you're good enough to be called back and to be used again and again and again and for me it doesn't have to be some big film or project it could be anything if i'm getting called back and getting called in or getting people who are like hey you know there's this open and you know or hey there's a there's an opening here and obviously auditions are for the most part open and free willing but like if you have people who are mention you a lot or have your name in the hat that's success in my book i completely agree and uh, i think too many people make the mistake of you know success only means that you're sharing the screen with you know dicaprio or yeah you know de niro and and obviously everybody would love to do that absolutely uh or everybody would love to work with you know christopher nolan and you know martin scorsese and, and etc but Acting is such a hard career to get into, so I think that you you can't if you if that is your only measure of success, you will burn out, you will fall to the wayside. I think that you need to count your wins when you get them, and like you said, a callback that's a win, an audition that is a win, because that is the industry telling you. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm I'm not speaking from any real experience. I haven't like done anything yet, but I'm just. Being in the thick of it, 
you have to you have to celebrate these little wins you get along the way because that's that's what'll keep you going. So you get an audition, you get a call back, that's the industry telling you you got something, even if you don't get it, right? Yeah, you have potential. So I agree. Hundred percent. Um trying to see here. Okay, so after one semester down, do you feel like you're settled into the program or do you have any possible existing reservations or doubts? I feel like after the first semester, I'm in the groove now. And Good. it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say a shame that it took practically the entire semester, but um, for me, it's nice to have that kind of consistent flow and see everyone kind of flourish into their own person a little more. Overall, I think as a group, it feels a little more comfortable and a mm-hmm. little more safe to be exposed in that sense. Not saying that it was never safe to begin with, but I feel like just being with strangers, really, at the end Absolutely. of the day, yeah. it makes it challenging. And I think um, for our group specifically, having such a wide age group or gap, that it really brings into the perspective of all different types of people from all different walks of life wanting the same thing and seeing people just as passionate as you are about it and no matter the age is really a, a, a welcoming experience so yeah I'd, I'd say i have the groove my only concern maybe would just be with like um vulnerability still and being open and learning to kind of delve into that more because i can but it takes a lot so i mm-hmm. think that's kind of my only little concern but with with you know with like people have said you know just keep working on it like it, it's it's school it's training that's the whole point of things, right? So, mm. yeah, it's just, um, I feel more in the groove. I don't feel like I have a whole lot to uh, to shift to, to find that. Mm-hmm. What about you? For me, I'm pretty much settled in. Occasionally, I have, I have some, like, lingering, you know, doubts that, uh, not, I, I'm not quitting acting in any means, but... No. To this day, every now and then, I, I get this thought where it's like, should I just like, should I just act like the entrepreneurial route and just self self taught? Like, it's a lot of money to put in, and, and and this that and the other. But I, whenever those thoughts come in my head, I just remind myself that I'm investing in myself, mm-hmm. uh, and life is, you know, if I don't take any risks, I'll be in the same spot my entire life. Mm-hmm. So aside from that thought. I'm pretty comfortable as well, so I'm pretty much in the groove. Um, since studying acting, is there anything new that you've learned about yourself? This is the, I feel like this sounds a lot like the questions we ask in fucking uh, like actors as artists. Like I just want to... I don't know. Hey, man, I do this podcast shit. I didn't say I was good at it, all right? But, uh, hey, it's been so far so good. And, you know, <laughs> you, got, you got your questions out, and I feel like uh, you, you give me a, you, you give me a small feeling of clout here or there. So I was like, wow, look at hey, me. Hey, brother, this is, this is your show today. I'm just hosting it. Uh, you're the captain. You're the captain. I'm just the... I'm like a little display piece, folks. Like, well, look, look, student. This is, your, <laughs> this is your time, brother. Ah... <laughs> uh, the question, good sir. So, since studying acting, you right. know, from theater to to one semester down in acting for media, is there anything new that you've learned about yourself? Hmm. I would say um, 
Not necessarily, because for the first semester, I think as I've said before with you during breaks or just in general, is that for me and I think uh, another student of ours, I think you were actually there when we were talking about it, I won't say any names, but uh, there was like a feeling of people who have already done a lot of things kind of don't feel stagnated, but feel like they could be pushed more. Mm -hmm. So I think out uh, out of that take, it would be just... Yeah, like I just, um, I'm eager still and still hungry for more. And I think that could have just, could have pushed us a little more in that sense. But um, yeah, so I don't, um, I'm just eager for more, want more. um, And just hoping like, uh, really, I think the one thing I can say is, is, is combat that's mm-hmm. what I want. I want to, I want to learn how to fight. So something that's like, gonna be fun. Yeah. So that'll be a, a doozy. So that's gonna be fun. I Absolutely. think. I think this first semester, um, which I I don't mean this in a bad way or anything. I think it was to weed a lot of people out. I think it was yeah. to really filter out. Yeah. And um, really, that's college in general. Like mm-hmm. uh, you Absolutely. know, my last program, like it started with like a good amount of people. I think like. 16 17 and by the end of it we had like seven people so like you know it's life <laughs> but yeah. uh we're playing foot season again um but i sock game by the way man yeah. for those of you who don't know grady is like the sock master this guy comes to class every day i don't think i've ever seen you wear the same pair of socks twice you you're like uh what's that Fucking, what's that guy? Like Don Cherry with the Don suits? Cherry, but I was thinking about the other guy. May he rest in peace from the NBA. He'd always, he was like oh. the he was like the NBA's Don Cherry. Yeah, yeah. Not, not to get sidetracked, but no, but I know what you mean. Like, must acknowledge the sock game. It's like if I had a if I had like a tie game or something for for our Canadian folks, it'd be like you know, or the suit game, like Don Cherry. It's like with his suits are on like my socks. You know, it's like. Uh, I always got a fresh pair, you know, so that's kind of like, for me, if you see me in person, a lot of the clothing I wear is like black or or darker colors, not a whole lot of expressing there, like, you know, just the Toronto fit, uh, there's no soul in it, but, um, <laughs> but the socks expose the, uh, the soul, it's like, no pun intended, but, um, yeah, so the sock game is always on point, and if you want some advice from me, folks, uh, Get some good socks, you know. Go to go to Winners, go to Hudson's Bay, go to any place. Look for funny socks and get them. They ain't expensive, and it'll add to your flair. Absolutely, it's a, it's a good way to express express yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had lots of questions for you. Here's another question. Yeah, for another you. one. So, why does anger come easy for you as an actor? I think because of just life experience and and for me, I wouldn't say like I'm an angry person per se, but it's the easiest emotion for me to go to. And I carry a lot of stress and I carry a lot of like, I wouldn't say like weight on my shoulders, but that's just kind of like, I wouldn't say facade, but at face value what I might be perceived as. And I think for me, in my life experience and whatever I've experienced... And I think also just in like work experience, you know, working with a lot of angry people and stuff like that Absolutely. is that um, it's easy for me to click. And I also have some anger things here and there, not like saying like, oh, I, got, I got anger management, but like, you know, <coughs> with people with like explosive disorders or something like that, as people like to say, is that uh, 
anger is like a defense mechanism and not to be all like therapy-esque but you know for the folks out there who might have that struggle is that in the moment it feels good doesn't feel too good later on and for me it's like a defense mechanism it's what's strongest to me and it's what um not to sound mean or anything it's what gets your way in a sense and I don't mean that manipulatively but you get your voice out people hear you people stop what they're doing and it's not a good thing to do folks it's not but um for me as an artist uh anger has been kind of like my uh my biggest issue in life internally so um I'm able to express that on film and a lot of things that I get both in my last program and now revolve around being like kind of pushed in a corner and being expressive and loud and, and angry because I have a voice, a powerful one, you know, and uh, to, to be able to use that while also being safe with it is a talent and skill. But I noticed that in my acting and in my training so far that that's the main thing I go to, but it's not my whole character arc per se so yeah like i uh, folks i'm not an angry dick but you know i got a little tension here all. and there so it's like for me it's just like in my life experience it's the easiest one to go to just from what i've been around but like not saying things are bad in life just say it like you know you live in a big city everyone's an angry dick so <laughs> no I, I agree and the only reason why i brought it up was because uh when you did your monologue peter Peter said that, uh, Peter, by the way, is our uh, speech teacher, he said that anger comes easy for you, and I agree, and I think it's it's very believable, it's very convincing, and I think it's definitely one of your strengths as an actor, and, and, and I, I, I kind of relate, I've grown up with, I've grown up in tough environments with a lot of high intensity, yeah. I grew up, I grew up with an alcoholic, so I've witnessed some pretty you know, angry, uh, you know, moments, um, not even just that, it just in other parts of my life. So I, I, I agree. And as actors, we pull from things we know. So you've experienced that a lot respectively in your own life. Um, and I know I, I absolutely agree. I don't think you're an angry person at all. I think you're a pretty easygoing guy. It's just something that comes to you very easy. And I think it's, it's a compliment. I think it's, 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 it's good. Like when, when I watch them, like, I believe that. Yeah, so. it's it's an authentic feeling. It's yeah. just being able to. Sorry, I'm vaping like a chimney. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Vape away, uh, brother. It's um, it's it's the most raw emotion for the most part in my my mind is that uh, anger is not just raw. I'm mad. It, it could be it, so exactly. many fucking factors, right? Like it's just like. You know, like that one fucking scene. You got a gun. You shoot me. Like, <laughs> do you have a gun? Like, you need to kill me. Like, yeah, like yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you're Daniel sabotaging me. You're destroying yeah. my life. Like, it's just like that's a spiral of thought yeah. right there. That's a guy going into his mind and going like, "Oh my god, the life's over." You fucking like, like that's a that's one sphere of anger versus being like a total explosive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not Arlie Emery here as a <laughs> as a drill sergeant, always being like, "You fucking, you scumbag," blah blah blah. Like, I'm private pile. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You little scumbag! Like, I'm just like... What the fuck is this? Yeah, so you're just like... There's so many aspects of anger, and it's... it's That's it's, a good point. It's such a wide feeling, yeah. and it can be expressed in so many ways, and for me, I've kind of mastered that, 
want to master more things because I can express more than just being on yeah, yeah, camera. Yeah, I wasn't so. trying to say that you no, are. Just, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like Peter said. It's like Mandy said. It's like other folks have said that, like, you know, like you have that ability to tap into that, Absolutely. explore other roots or other things. And I think for me, it's also a bit of theater training that I'm trying to bump off because, you know, a lot of things in theater are very, I wouldn't say mechanical, but are very... It's all about repetition, so it's always about doing it over and over and over, and for me, it's like when you do something over and over and over, and you rehearse something, and you feel strong about something, you just, you do it the same way over and over, and in media, that's no bueno. So, 100%, and that, I mean, that's a whole fucking conversation, like, I don't know, I have, I have like mixed feelings about rehearsal, I'm not one of these actors that say like, don't do rehearsal because I think it's good to have like a, a foundation, but you have to, you have to like find a way to, to, to look at it and say like, okay, this is enough rehearsal because I've had that experience where you rehearse to death and then when you show up, it doesn't feel like in the moment. It, it, which I mean, I guess as an actor, you have to learn to, that's, that's the struggle. I yeah. guess you have to, which we're still learning how to do. So maybe that's something I can work on, but. Yeah, I, I think over rehearsing is a real thing, and uh, I think you just need to be able to look look at your rehearsal with your scene partner and say, like, okay, like I think we just need to dead it. I think we just need to like step away, because I'm all about spontaneity, right? And and that's why I mean, like Mandy didn't like it very much, but like me and Sarah, my our scene, we improvise quite a bit, and I think that helps in the moment because. It, it makes things alive, you know, you, you you surprise yourself and you surprise your scene partner. There's always a balance, you don't want to go too far off, no. off the bend, and then your scene partner's like, where the fuck are we? He just gave a whole monologue that wasn't in the, in the script, right? But, yeah, yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's the balance between, like, you know, feeling, like, robotic in your work, obviously, like, repetition training and, and mm-hmm. rehearsing, like... It's the balance, and I think that's why a lot of things with me personally have been told to, like, try other routes and stuff, and a lot of the training and a lot of the skills that I've I've taken uh, are still from theater, so, Mm -hmm. like, I try to not... I'm not trying to say, like, oh, I can't be realistic or authentic, but I think it's just the level of, like, how I act and train is still kind of in the theater aspect, and I don't expect that to change, like, in three, four months. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. But it's slowly shifted into the more, like, small little things, the tiny, minute details and yeah. whatnot. Um, yeah, I just think that the more I can train in that, the more I can learn in that, the less I'll look back at things and feel like I've fallen flat. Because for me personally, there's just some things I look back on and I'm like, is that really good or is that, like, flat? Like, it just, I, I'm a judgmental type of guy so you know like it is i'm not saying it's not good but there's always room to learn and that's not going to change throughout my entire life like i'm not going to get out of this two-year program and be like i know everything like no not absolutely not killian murphy has a great quote he says well i guess he's quoting somebody else but i think he's he said something along the lines of like an acting teacher told me that it takes like 50 years to make an actor it takes a lifetime just because if like for example if you study acting or you want to be an actor but you live in the same town your entire life it's not that you can't make it but like you have kind of a limited uh exposure to the world right so there's training that obviously helps as an actor but i think a lot of it is just life experience like 
one of these, not to sound pretentious, but like one of these books I read here, uh, How to Stop Acting. Mm-hmm. Great fucking book. I, guys, if any of you are looking to start acting and, and you're looking for something to kind of get started, this book called How to Stop Acting by Harold Guskin is one of the best acting books I've ever read. But at the end of the book, he says, like, take all the training and everything, like, you know, put it in your pocket, but go, go read novels, go look at paintings, go talk to people, go watch movies, you know, and, and that'll kind of, you know, her- expand in your horizon, so to speak, but... You just yeah. can't purely look at it as such an academic thing, and I think that exactly. goes, it goes back to... That's what, a great way to put it. It goes yeah. back to what we said earlier, right, with you and I maybe kind of going around or not exactly knowing what we wanted, is that we come in with a little more life experience, and that brings in that sort of realism that is required in this industry, and I've been told that by uh, a very close professor to me and someone that I love and adore, and when they told me that, it uh, took a lot of weight off my shoulders because, like, even to this day, I still feel like uh, there was a lot of years not wasted, but definitely could have done more. And over the time, I'm like, I'm 23 fucking years old. Like, four years in that span of just kind of doing labor and working isn't uh, my entire life summed up in one life story. You know what I mean? It's like a fraction of my life. So. Being on the right track now is good, but you know you still get those thoughts as a, in your mind, like you mentioned, you know, self doubt and things like that. Like you still have that, but to remember that, like you know, your experience in life is only more knowledge that you can convey on screen. So you know, some people have different aspects of life and more to bring, and some people have other things and less. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a comparison or it's not a competition, but if you're older, let's say around our age, compared to someone who's fresh out of high school, you have a little more respect and uh, knowledge for the world. And we're still young, so you know it's not like we know everything and yeah, have a general yeah. idea. But like you know, we can say like, yeah, you gotta get up and work. You gotta strive for things. You gotta compared actually to try. Eight, compared to an eighteen-year-old, we have a little bit more wisdom because we've. You know, like you said, not to interrupt you. No, but, but yeah. It, yeah, not to drag on either. It's like, you know, I'm saying a life story here or like a <laughs> fucking like a, one of those like motivation podcasts. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm no. not going to like tate explain to you folks like get up and do your job. No, nerd. Yeah. Let me smoke my cigar. It's like, no, it's like fucking what a dork. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, if you have work experience personally, if you have work experience, if you work labor, if any job doesn't matter what it is. That brings more to your plate. That brings more to you and your repertoire of, of knowledge. Absolutely. Because you, not to say, you know, acting is blue collar. You got to get up every day and work hard and do what you got to do. But, you know, like, it's not like I'm backbreaking. You know, it's not That's like I'm true. destroying my body. That is true. Or my, uh, you know, I'm not, like, it, it's a hard gig, but there's... There's things in life that could be a hell of a lot harder, <laughs> yeah. and I'm blessed and happy that I chose this and I'm able to experience this because, 100%. Yeah, yeah, like I don't want to, no quip for my family. I come from a blue collar family. It's just not for me, you know, and the best example of that is if you guys want to f- find out how I really feel about it is uh, Bill Burr talking about his uh, one one summer job as a roofer and how fast he burnt out on that. It's pretty much how I feel about that. Instead of a couple months, it was a couple years. So, 
I I completely agree, man. And and I have this conversation with two of my friends all the time, Shaz and Ashrod, and uh, we talk about purpose and we talk about what we, you know, how 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 in like forty fifty years what we want to look back on and how we how we want to look at our lives and not the I don't know I mean. We're only going to be here once. I mean, you and I are only going to be sitting here. I mean, maybe we'll do this again, but I'm saying this moment, we can't go back. You know, or... our, our time is limited. And, you know, I, I could go to school for, you know, HR business or I can get a degree and and, and, and get a corporate job, whatever. And, yeah. and look, if that's what you want to do, my hat's off to you. I just, uh, that's not what I want to do. Mm-mm. And I will sacrifice a bit of, I'll sacrifice a bit of money, I'll sacrifice a bit of time, I'll sacrifice my overall quality of life if yeah. I have the chance to pursue what I love. And and I, 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 want, I want to look back when I'm 50 and say, even if acting and, and any of this doesn't work out and it, for whatever reason, I at least want to look back and say, you know what, I gave it a shot, I don't have to ask myself what if, because that's horrifying. And so many people, you see these videos of like these old people and, and, and they'll be like, I have no regrets. Not even just old people, people in general. And I just think that's fucking bullshit. I never believe somebody when they say they have no regrets. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure I'll probably have regrets when I'm older, but I don't want one of them to be, fuck, man, I really wanted to do acting. And I never gave it a shot. So, yeah. You know, it's it's at least making the attempt you and if things don't pan out the way you want and yeah you know it's reality of it is you might be miserable about that but at least you don't have that overweighing thought of like you never tried exactly at least you have something to be like yeah you know it didn't pan out the way i want and life fucking sucks for that but at least you did it so Mm -hmm. it's like you don't have this like overweighing sense of like i never did it i never experienced it i never will experience it so it's like I'm with you there. It's like, I really do want this, but at least I'm experiencing it. And if it's just an experience and a fart in the wind in my life, it's fine by me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not shooting for success. I don't think most of us are per se. Like it's success in the sense, like you want to be like a fucking Oscar winning actor or whatever. Like most of us just want to make it a gig and a job and just be happy doing it. hundred percent. Um, just a few more acting questions, and then we'll we'll pivot to, to some other topics of discussion. We'll just get these out here. So, is there a dream character you'd like to play or a project that you'd like to be a part of? I want to wanna be like a, a villain or something. I think like in like some sort of like, I wouldn't say like maybe, maybe fantasy or like superhero thing. I wouldn't say I'm like a huge like Marvel or DC guy as I used to be as a kid, but like something like that would be really cool. Like some kind of like crime show. I'd really like to do something like crime related because mm-hmm. um, I can kind of, you know, obviously I can play with anger, but like I can also play with like, you know, being like, you know, nice and friendly, but like really it's a fucking facade and you want to like gut this person and they don't pay up on time. Like something like that would the be The shadow. Really, yeah, that'd be really fun, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that would be fun. Uh, something going on right now. Uh, I'd love to be in like the boys or something like that. Because I still have never seen it. I'm I'm told every day to watch it. 
But yeah, that it looks like that that'd be a lot of fun yeah. for an actor. Voice acting, man. Like I'd love to be another show that you'll you'll have the same answer for because even I've been like, please watch it. But like Invincible or something, I'd really love to like voice act. I watched man. the first episode. I did like it. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Take the time, maybe sometime tomorrow or sometime when you have a, a day to watch and just binge it. It's I worth will. it. You're not the first, man. I, those two guys I mentioned, Ches and Trout, they, they love it and they tell me to watch it all the time. 100%. Uh, okay, last question. What are some of your favorite movies? Some of my favorite movies. Well, a movie that really sticks close to me uh, is Full Metal Jacket. Um, Love I, I watched that movie probably like a gajillion times and just the psychological uh, journey through being like a fucking marine in Nam essentially like just the total like breaking of your mind insanity and then like getting deployed and everything just going to shit it's like it's not like your generic war movie it's like mm-hmm. everything in that movie is just a constant like things are going to shit you know what i mean and like it shows the military and that it's not this like perfect saint and like that the world's evil and i don't know it's a dark film and i just really i really like that aspect of it not just being like all the americans are the heroes blah 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 it's like oh we're all strong and it's like no it's basically like a movie of guys having their sanity broken then getting deployed yeah. and then like dying off one by one it's, it's not fucking war porn like a lot no, of no it's not movies are. It, it doesn't glorify war yeah. either not saying that i don't enjoy films like you know 1917 or things like that where it's a little more i wouldn't say a glorification but definitely a little more uh What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, sto- stoicism or whatever the hell you guys call it. Whatever mm-hmm. the weight is. But, like, like you said, war porn. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm don't. i not a huge fan. I'm not opposed to it. But films like that. Another film. Like, for me, folks, favorites are hard because I always go, like, what, 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 what's the weight scale? But yeah, I would say. I know. I, I'd I, mean, say yeah, like, I, I expect that. I mean, anytime you ask somebody what their favorite movies are, you know. It's, it's always tough. I mean, I, I couldn't even really give you a good answer right now. No, I'd say, like, a movie, like, that's a favorite, something that I really enjoy and could watch over and over is, is probably Full, uh, Full Metal yeah. Jacket. The first hour of that movie is it's fucking, fucking incredible, yeah. Um, actually, here, last question. Kind of just thought about this on the spot. Sweet. So, are there any, uh, you know, favorite actors or performances that inspired you? Or actresses, sorry. Performances. This is going to be a hard one. i got to think here for a second. So it's just like... Take a second to ponder. Hmm. You know, it's funny. There's been a lot of performances in my life. And, like, I'm not the best at, like, remembering exactly what or what driven me or what drove me. But I would say, uh... I'd say, like, hell, Star Wars, you know what I mean? Like, Episode 3, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan's confrontation there, and then just the slow... I the high ground. Yeah, like, as goofy as some parts can be, like, just no, the, the, the opening, like, monologue and just seeing, like, the change and, like, the turn, like, a performance like that was really captivating, and even, like, the animated series with the voice mm-hmm. acting and how... You know, it's, they say it's a kid's show, but you literally see people, like, getting gunned down and, like, brutally murdered and, you know, slavery, fucking people everything. People say that because it's animated. Like, they they, fucking they say that because, yeah, it's animated yeah. and, like, whatever. And it's, like, I, I honestly, to this day, I'm surprised it was on, like, 
kids primetime TV. Like yeah. this is like Star Wars. Like yeah, it, it's it's Star Wars sure, but it's also, you know, a thing about war and mm-hmm. like absolutely like it's like imagine World War 1 and 2 put together on a galactic scale that's Star Wars in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. And then it's like yeah, we're going to make a show about the Clone Wars, mind you, war being the uh the prime uh note in that title so when you have a show about war and they didn't hold back from it and seeing a lot of the uh, performances there was uh was definitely one that got they me they weren't pulling their punches no and i and i watched a lot of like star wars and a lot of like fantasy sci-fi stuff so seeing a lot of that as a kid you know um Liam Neeson playing Qui-Gon Jinn as well i really liked that even I though it was this yeah so like I'm a man of many skills that and a performance, I would say, um, what's that movie called? You know, I shouldn't forget these things, but... Uh, no, it's okay. I'm putting you on the spot. Just yeah. to be clear, guys, I didn't show Grady any of these questions, so he's this is just totally like, off the cuff. We're so. just shooting, we're just just shooting, shooting questions. Yeah. yeah, so I would say a lot of uh, Joe Pesci's performances I as love well. Joe Pesci. Because as a kid, like, I watched, you know, Home Alone and stuff like that. Yeah, it was yeah. really my first delve into Pesci, and then a lot of the... Uh, I really like Casino, and I really like Pesci's. Just I just probably my favorite performance of his. For me personally, yeah. with Pesci and his like, what a lot of his things are, I kind of relate to that. He always plays the angry kind of guy, mm-hmm. or like he's charismatic, but he also has this like fiery temper he's and got like this, this dog in him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. like when I see those, I'm like, yeah, that's something I could play. Like, yeah, I'm not like a five foot four uh, Italian American. You know, I'm a chubby <laughs> Irish Scottish Canadian. But like, I would love to play like someone that's like, uh, fuck, um, Tom Hardy's character in Peaky Blinders, mm. something like that. Even oh, like, fuck you, Tommy. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. Uh, uh, I try my best to, to do it, but I just yeah. love, like, I love a lot of characters in film and TV I that have that. this, like, calm reserve to them, but it's like a ticking time bomb. It's like a snap of a finger, and you're fucking, you're going off. And Those characters are interesting, because you're waiting. Yeah. You're like, is this, are they, are they going to lose it? Are they, you know? 100%. Um, all right, we're going to take five, take a little piss break, because I had a coffee, and I got a piss. Yeah. To be honest with you. Oh, diuretic. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we're going to circle back. We're going to talk a bit of some news. And we're, we're going to play a little fun game at the end that I think oh. you'll like. I call it, uh, I mean, it's not some clever title. It's called Keep 4, Kill 2. So we're going to play that toward the end. Okay. We'll be back in a moment. But for you guys, it's just going to keep going. So Yeah, you won't notice this. <laughs> All right. So that was a good little chat about acting and acting schools. Let's pivot now to some topics here so we're gonna let's start with the jonathan majors thing so this is a pretty this is a pretty serious topic and uh you know we're not just gonna jump right into the marvel side of it we'll talk a little bit about what happened but for those of you who are like who is jonathan majors what the fuck are you talking about let me help you out let me set let me set the stage so i'm gonna read an article from the hollywood reporter this kind of breaks down everything that we are about to talk about so i'll try and speed through it here so it says here, once again, from The Hollywood Reporter. It says, Jonathan Majors is out at Marvel Studios in a stunning career blow for the once-rising actor. On December 18th, a Manhattan jury found Majors guilty of reckless assault in the third degree and guilty of harassment following a two-week trial that stemmed from a March incident between the actor and his ex-partner, Grace Jabari. 
Before his March arrest, Majors was positioned as the key figure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Disney-owned studio building its entire current story arc around Majors Kane the Conqueror. The time-traveling villain factored into this year's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania as well as both seasons of Loki, and he was going to lead Avengers the Kane Dynasty slated for May 1st, 2026. The feature is still in the script phase and had not begun filming. No director is currently attached. Marvel has two courses it could take now. It could recast the part, although it is not clear how many actors would be attracted to a role from which one actor was, pub was so publicly fired. The other course is to redevelop its plans and, fo and refocus on a brand new villain. While Marvel has sources, well, Marvel sources are mum. There is an indication that the studio has already been doing just that. In November, Marvel hired Loki, Loki creator Michael Waldron to work on a new draft of what was once called King Dynasty, but is now being referred to as Avengers 5, according to sources. The studio has had months to plan for such an eventuality, and it's possible that Waldron was part of that course of action. Marvel has recast in the past, but over creative and financial disputes, not for legal troubles. Mm -hmm. Terrence Howard starred in the first Iron Man as James Rhodes, while Edward Norton headlined The Incredible Hulk, both released in 2008. Howard declined to return for the 2010 Iron Man sequel, citing pay reasons and Don Cheadle steps into the role. Norton, meanwhile, clashed creatively with Marvel on Incredible Hulk and Mark Ruffalo stepped into the role, into him for the role in Avengers that came out in 2012. And more recently, the late William Hurt was replaced by Harrison Ford in the upcoming Captain America. It says New World Order, but it's now being called Brave New World as Thunderbolt Ross. Majors was once considered one of the top rising actors in Hollywood. In addition to Quantumania, he starred in Creed 3 in 2023. His, his, he first rose to prominence with The Last Black Man in San Francisco, went on to star in Devotion, Lovecraft Country, The Harder They Fall, and Defy Bloods. The bodybuilding drama Magazine Dreams bowed at Sundance in January 2023, though its fate remains in limbo as distributors, distributors Searchlight removed it from the calendar and amid the actor's legal troubles. Majors was arrested on March 25th after he called 911 saying he found his ex-partner Grace Jabari in their New York apartment unconscious. Police said they found injuries on Jabari, including a bruise and fractured finger and a cut behind the ear. Majors pled not guilty to all charges. Okay, that was a mouthful. So, before we talk about Marvel and what they could be doing and everything like that, what do you think, what are your thoughts on the situation? I know you, like, I know you're, you, you probably haven't paid that like close attention to it, or maybe you have. Um, so what are, what are your what are your thoughts on it? It's a tough one. Yeah. You know, and I think in this day and age where there has been a lot of uh, things that have, let's to say the very least, been uh, used as a weapon when they shouldn't have. But in this case, where it's so damning and so public, where in the past, like you mentioned, where a lot of things have been private, even in the acting world, where people have did heinous things. Um, so I think, personally, with all the evidence and, and with all the uh, information given, is that if... You know, it's it's really hard to uh, to discredit or to argue the fact when there's a lot of physical injury and of course in the past you know you've heard things like uh you know people injuring themselves to create a bigger scene and whatever but this is a this is a clearly you know there's enough evidence as is to not only get this guy fired on the spot 
but to publicly lash and shame him. So while I'm kind of someone who always lets the justice system do its work before the mob, um, it seems pretty telling that this is a person who, uh, he's a big man, very strong, and has obviously issues of controlling himself, and is clearly a danger. And you can't have that in an industry like that, and you especially can't have it with Disney. This is fucking Disney we're talking about. They mm-hmm. don't mess around for even the slightest thing. And it's not the first time that they've canned someone for something in comparison to beating the snot out of someone so mundane and small. And I think that... Um, I think Mr. Majors needs to uh, reconsider his uh, his job route. Um, to be quite honest, in my mind, I don't think this will destroy his career. I agree. But it'll definitely sidetrack his career for fucking years to come. And do I think he'll ever reach this level of fame again? Probably not. But you never know. Mm-hmm. And a guy who is obviously talented, but as a demon, um, people are going to hire that. Because really, at the end of the day, this is not a industry for moral standards and it never has been so as uh me personally you put your hands on a woman like and do shit like that you don't do it you, you don't you don't fucking do it and if you do do that you don't have my fucking respect or my graces you know what Absolutely. I mean? regardless of information given or how little or how much there is in this situation, there's enough legal evidence for me to have my own opinion and say, yeah, this is a guy who's clearly an aggressor. And with the information given about him making the call and all this stuff, it's like, how many times have you heard people making the call saying, you know, they found X, Y, and Z laying in a pool of their own blood? And they're like, oh, I had no idea what happened. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's just too many instances of like, not only did he beat the snot out of her, he also tried to play the innocent game. So, like, personally for me, it's like, just, you're a fucking scumbag and you shouldn't have your gig. But I'll let the legal system do the work. I'm not a judge. I'm not a detective. I only know what I hear. Mm-hmm. And what I hear is not fucking good. And it clearly seems like there's no uh, argument towards his actions. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's rest and piss. You won't be missed, you know? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think Marvel did the right thing. I, I I've said it from the start. If he's guilty, fire his ass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've paid a lot of. I've paid very close attention to this case, and obviously, this goes without being said. Me and Grady are not lawyers, so we're coming at it from our perspective, and you know, take that with a grain of salt. I I've I've paid a lot, very close attention to this, just because I'm I don't know I'm on. I, this is the kind of content I watch. I watch movies. I watch, and this has just been in, in the the discussion in the zeitgeist. I've seen the videos, and what really kind of got him in trouble. I don't know. I don't know if you know what happened, but basically, he was in a car with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend looked over, and she could see that he was texting another woman, uh, presumably Megan Good, who's been at the trial supporting Jonathan Majors, and she got upset, and then things escalated, and then that's sort of what happened. And I've seen the video. Uh, he's clearly putting his hands on her. Now, the, the people tried to make the argument that he was stopping her from leaving the car so she wouldn't run out to traffic. I don't... I mean, maybe that could be true, but I, I, 
in the video, he's clearly being aggressive and he's clearly putting his hands on her, and that's that's not good at all. Like, there's no. no way to cut it. And I've talked about Jonathan Majors before. I'm sure if you've been on this channel, you know. As an actor, I am a big fan of his. Uh, I I think he's incredibly talented, but I've always made my position clear. I've put my bias aside. If he's guilty, he gone. Pretty simple. And, uh, yeah, but you know what? It's funny because obviously like the video, it's a, it's a really tough situation because in the video he's putting his hands on her, which is terrible. But I think what really got him in trouble and what really changed my view of the situation. I don't know if you've seen the text messages, the text messages is what really made me think that it's not looking good. This is a guy who got caught being a sleaze bag, and instead of just taking the L, he decided to to scrap up and not to cut you off. But no, no, no. Yeah, I, I yeah. But I, I think for me personally, I never saw the video. But there's a clear fine line between defending yourself and defusing a situation versus being another instigator and aggressor, and then eventually overpowering that person. And instead of de-escalating or anything you continue to be a violent aggressor yeah like, that's the fine line like i am not someone who's gonna say that like i'm not at the end of the day guys to be as blunt with you as possible i'm not gonna let a woman pummel me to the ground i will restrain you and remove you off of me but i will not punch you or kick you or, or scratch you or do all this you're not shit gonna that harm the them. scumbag yeah. did like you know what i mean like you see it all the time you know what i mean if someone attacks you 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 have all the right, in my opinion, to defend yourself. If you're getting punched out or attacked, like you're allowed to like toss someone off of you and hold them down, and wait till cops come. Like that's you got to defend yourself. But if you're in major's position where you're caught being unfaithful and your response to someone's aggression and anger and yeah, she was and, trying to like take his phone and yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and he wasn't even like in the video. No, sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, he he was like pushing her in the car. Yeah. Like he was shut. That no, you don't we, fucking do that. We we just had this problem with fucking Justin Roiland and his whole debacle. And like, yeah, he's a fucking he's a, he's a groomer. He's a pedophile. But like, <laughs> yeah. he also fucking made he he held some woman against her will. He's like, no, you won't leave my house or blah blah blah. Yeah. Like you can't do that. Like you just can't. And no, like, and like, it's not like major's position. It looks really fucking bad because you got caught being unfaithful. The worst thing that could happen is that you get left and and you're a fucking A-list actor. You got plenty of yeah. opportunity. And like, I'm not saying do that because like, from morally, most people aren't sleaze bags like that. But um, just take the L. Just take the fucking L. Just, just just let her take your phone and fucking zoom through it. If you're that defensive to the point where you were willing to throw your career away, getting hands-on with someone yeah. pretty much, I'm assuming, quite smaller than you, because Major seems he's like a, a, big, a, fucking he's a dude. big fucking dude. I mean, in the article, it said he was in a movie that might not ever come up, but he played a bodybuilder. Yeah, exactly. So. He's built like a linebacker. Yeah. The guy looks big. Like, this yeah. guy looks like he could, like, I'm he's too... built like a fucking Greek god. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm six foot 225. I feel like this guy could bench press me no problem. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this is probably a woman who's like 5'3 and 120 pounds. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're forcefully restraining someone from a vehicle and then by chance you like here's the thing like you can't restrain someone against their will to the at all and especially to the point where you leave physical scars or physical marks mm -hmm. you, you just you just fucking can't like there's no like buddy 
deserves what happened to him no matter what the context is you know what i mean like oh she's trying to take my phone and i was taking it away and she's trying to leave i was trying to restrain like it doesn't look good for you you just look like you're an aggressor but also a manipulative aggressor like you are clearly someone who wants their way and will forcefully do that like it's have you seen? Have you read the text messages? No, I have. They're not good, man. Like, like I said, the, the video is the video. Obviously, he put his hands on her. That that that's terrible. And even if I hadn't seen the text messages, I would have thought he was guilty just off of that. Yeah, because he's, he's literally shoving her in the car, and he's like, like pushing her in there, pretty, pretty, the, pretty aggressively. Yeah. But the text messages, bro. She was. I'm paraphrasing, but she was saying stuff along the lines of, uh, fuck, what was it? It was like, um. I'm, okay, my memory's a bit... F- oh, yeah, it was like... Uh, oh, yeah, it was like... My head hurts. I can't go to sleep. If I go to the hospital, I'll tell them I just fell down the stairs. And I'm like, once I saw that... Oh, I was like... Dad... You're, you're done. Like, no, that, that, that's... Uh, and, and I think he responded. He was like, no, don't don't go to the hospital. Once again, I'm paraphrasing, just to be clear. And... and, and he was like, if you go to the tech, or like, if you go to the hospital, they're going to ask you questions. Like, it was clearly, there was some, like, there was domestic abuse going on. Yeah, you rattled someone's fucking dome and up. Yeah. Like, and, like, the thing is, is like. And they released that. His legal team released that, apparently thinking that that would, that would sway the public opinion in his favor. Like, and everybody it, was like, What? Like, oh, you look I, like a piece of shit like, now. Oh, I'm like, open about it. Like, yeah, like, it's yeah. not like a big deal. It's like, no, not only are you a cheating douchebag, but you're also someone who's clearly a controller. Like, yeah. You know I mean? Like, that's just another piece of evidence. This is why I say, like, usually I let the legal team do the work before I, like, mob someone for yeah, something. Yeah, innocent until proven. And I haven't re- even really talked about it on the podcast. But there's just so much information where yeah. it's like, dude, like, it, you've just been publicly flamed by everyone. And, like, let's be honest here. If Disney, the fucking god elitist of Hollywood that they are, um, if, if they're willing to... S- fucking throw you in the street like that uh you're fucked like you're just screwed like really what 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 grounds do you have to stand on at that point when literally everything is against you like it's not gonna destroy his career it's not gonna end everything but like buddy's been blacklisted on the big scale for sure like I'll give Disney credit, though, because most um, studios and, and most partnerships that he had dropped him immediately. Like, when, when it first happened and the allegations came out, Disney stood by because, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But as soon as that verdict came out and he was guilty, within hours, they were ready. They dropped him. So I respect Disney for that. Yeah. I think too many times in the past, studios have been reactionary and, and like, I, I get it. When these headlines come out, it doesn't look good, but you have to let the person have their day in court. You know, that's my opinion, at least. No, I agree. Um, unless it's for something crazy like triple uh, homicide or something like that. You know what I mean? But, like, in a case there's, like this, like, they, they let him have his day in court. There's context given, obviously. There's context given, exactly. But uh, th- this is one narrative I'm seeing. So, I don't know if you know, but, um, once again, not a lawyer. He was in trial for four charges. Two of them were people are... So, he, he was acquitted of two of the charges. Uh, people are saying that he was acquitted of the the big charges, mm. so therefore they were saying like, oh, maybe like Disney should maybe keep him because the, the the two bigger ones he wasn't guilty of. But it's like 
that's like saying, okay, I didn't punch you in the face, but I kick you in the leg. It's like, well, it's like that's the point of your legal team, especially when you're an A-list actor who's probably yeah. already in this short span of time made a fucking wad of cash. It's like, oh my god, uh, so fucking like with that argument. I could use that for fucking O.J. Simpson. It's like, oh, so you like murdered two people, but I mean, like it got yeah. dropped. So people, it wasn't... people are like, ah, oh, cut him slack. You know, he wasn't guilty of the two big ones. You know, the other ones just sweep it under the rug. That's, that's not how it works, man. It doesn't matter. He was guilty of causing harm and abuse to another person. Like, to not, yeah, to you. Disney's not going to be like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, well, at, he, at least the two, but you know, well, we'll keep you that. It's like, no. fucking, I mean, he, he bashed his fucking girlfriend up, but like, like it's like, like, no, you gotta like, it's the context given. It's like, so what if the two major charges got dropped? The charges that are still revolving around you revolve around domestic They're still abuse. not good. Like, no, they're still not good. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I got manslaughter instead of murder. It's like, you fucking still did it. Like, what are you... Like, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, uh, so what you're saying is uh, I pummeled her to the ground, but I didn't kill her, so... Can, it sounded like Kermit the Frog. Can I have my job? I the way you came. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about? That family guy? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, we won't go there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, but... Yeah, so I think we've kind of talked enough about the, uh, the legal side from our, you know, perspective of not being lawyers and everything like that. Um, so now let's talk about what Marvel should do. Personally, I am in the position that they can recast. A lot of people have argued that whoever play whoever does take up that role they're always going to be associated with what happened and everything i think to a degree that's true but eventually i think people will just accept that oh this is the new actor i mean if we look what happened with don Cheadle and terrence howard obviously it's a different circumstance and and there's completely different reasons or criminal reasons why they parted ways but look i mean eventually everybody just accepted that this is don Cheadle. he's roadie you look at Mark Ruffalo, this is Mark Ruffalo is Bruce Banner. Once again, I understand they're very different circumstances. I think they can recast. Majors, like, setting aside everything, he obviously, I think, did a, you know, gave a great performance, so it will be hard to find another actor, but there are millions of talented actors out there. I think they could, if they take the time, I think they could find somebody to recast. That's just my position, but I'm not married to it. You know, wh- wh- where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, they kind of put themselves in a position where they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want with it and people will consume. Like, let's be they honest. Could. Let's be honest here. You know, I might sound a little rough for this, but like Marvel is in a place where it doesn't matter whatever they could shoot out, they'll still consume. And I mean, Marvel's might disprove my opinion a little bit, but that's one movie in a haystack full of like thousands or at least hundreds of these fucking films, short things, whatever. So, for me, it's like, yeah, they could just recast, because, like, there's, like, a bajillion fucking variants. You you can, ha- exactly. you can find a guy who looks similar to Majors and be like, he was a little different. This is a variant who's, like, a good guy or something, mm-hmm. and, like, let's say they recast a Kang, and let's say there's a variant that's, like, a good Kang or whatever, and then, me personally, just bring fucking Galactus. <laughs> just fucking well everybody's saying Doctor Doom and I, I get that because in the comics Doctor Doom is like the main villain of of Secret Wars and everything like that but I mean the thing you have to recognize with Marvel is like Marvel adapts they don't copy so they'll adapt what they want but I think that they've invested so much in Kang at least for me I want to see this story play out with this character so I think they should recast but I could understand the arguments against 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's sort of where I stand. I think, like, honestly, personally, for me, uh, just looking at it now, just have fucking, just put Galactus in there. You know what I mean? Just Planet Destroyer. As a as a kid, he used to be really into it. I just I love I, I love the comics. Like, dude, just honestly have like Kang's world just fucking smashed in Galactus' hands, and just be like, oh yeah, yeah, you thought the Time Lord was something to worry about. Now, how about a guy who could literally like eat your fucking universe, like just yeah. quick, just smash it all up? Just do that. Like, honestly, you had Star, you had, you had Starro. Like, that's mm-hmm. just one step above. Like, it's just like here's an intergalactic fucking telepathic fucking space entity that just want to be left alone. Now make that a guy who wants to destroy you because fuck you, that's why. It's like, honestly, just just go that route or just recast him as like a variant that is like slightly different. Yeah, it's not like people are acting like this is such a huge problem. It's like, no, they wrote themselves into a situation where it's like they can manipulate time. They can manipulate the story. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Loki in the show isn't even the same Loki, so it's like it's already a fucking or whatever. You the have fuck. a fucking alligator variant of Loki in season one. They can do it now. Everybody, the thing, everybody's saying they're getting hung up on the quantum mania post credit scene. I don't know if you've seen it, but you see the Council of Kangs, and every variant of them is Jonathan Majors. You could easily write it's out a, of that. It's like, a crowd of fucking like like oh like. Like People will get over that. Like, you could easily just say, oh, uh, I was in a- the back in the bathroom. Yeah, like, I was taking a piss while they... <laughs> yeah, like, this, this like, is Marvel. They're going to write some corny joke like, I was taking a leak. Like, yeah, just, like, I was the one guy who looked different. I was just uh, getting a slice yeah, while everyone... It's <laughs> like everyone was at the council. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, just make some like Drifter Kang yeah, variant. Just being exactly. like, I don't care about having this power. I didn't choose it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, just... Just hire someone else. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's like... The, I, it, I agree. It's not gonna, like, plummet Mar- Marvel's stock or, like, a, a, or buyer. Like, people are still gonna consume and watch the movies. Absolutely. Like, sure. If they go the recast route and they get a new actor, for the first year, of course, there's gonna be conversations yeah. about Jonathan Majors and what came before. But after the first, like, Avengers movie with this new actor, like, people are gonna move on. Like... Not not move on from what happened with him, but people are going to accept that this is the new actor. Now, if they do go to Doctor Doom, this is one, like, story idea I've heard that actually sounds pretty good. So, essentially, in the Secret Wars comic, you have Doctor Doom and then you have this character called the Beyonder. And it was rumored before Jonathan Majors got fired that he was going to end up playing a variant of the Beyonder. And what they could what they could do, which is interesting if they would go to Doctor Doom, is... They bring in Doctor Doom, but they keep Kang, and they have this Kang Beyonder variant, and Doctor Doom basically fucking kills Wipes him. Wipes the floor with this and guy. Kills all the Kangs and steals their powers, and he's like, I'm, I'm the real fucking bad guy. You Just, know? Like, yeah. You that'd, c- be, that'd be cool. I'm like, that would be pretty cool. And that'd be a good way to kind of wipe the character clean. Yeah, yeah. and it'd be a good way to... With like, a new actor. Like you're yeah. saying, yeah, it'd be a good way to wipe the, the slate clean and also kind of like, in a sense, write in that like we're moving past from majors and this is over. Like, yeah. It's like... It's it's a sh- it's it's so far it's in a space where like literally everything and anything can happen so like just do something like I yeah. don't think it's gonna be like too much of a creative struggle to be use like, the multiverse to your advantage yeah well that's just it right like oh uh fucking because Loki did one little thing Kang got Doctor or Doctor Doom got in fucking wiped the whole yeah. floor and then now he's the main problem it's like you literally have this thing where it's like Loki doesn't know what the fuck he's doing half yeah. the time it's like oh he just accidentally opened up doomed to this whole world of shit like 
Just figure it out. You have billions of dollars. Figure it the fuck out. I think if they went that route, if, like, let's say in... Because they have two Avengers movies slated. They have what was the King Dynasty and they have Secret Wars. If you still did the Kang Dynasty and you made it so at the end, Doctor Doom would just, like, come in and just fucking wipe all the Kangs out. I think that would make it a lot easier to find an actor who would want to come in for just one movie because you're like, okay, we're just going to need you for this one movie. You're just going to replace Jonathan Majors and then we're going to kill you by the end. I think that'd make it a lot easier than asking another actor to come in, which I'm sure they could find, but it'd make it a lot easier to say, hey, we need you for, like, a nine-picture deal or something. Commit the next ten years of your life to that. Um, But, yeah. So, is there anything else you want to say about the whole major situation? I think I think we kind of... Yeah, I think we've cleaned yeah. this. I apologize, I know, for some of you listening. You know, you might have your own experience in domestic violence, and we certainly don't want this to be a trigger. I understand this is a tough conversation. We try to approach it with as much respect and nuance as possible. Um, but I think we're going to move on now. Uh, let's talk about movies today and specifically blockbuster and comic book movies this year specifically has been pretty rough a lot of movies been bombing a lot of movies been just not shite (laughs) shite yeah so why do you think this is do you think this is a mixture of audience fatigue people just tired with you know the genre are they just not good or are we seeing a transition toward auteur cinema again you know you have everything that happened with nolan and and oppenheimer and do you think people are clamoring to get back to like you know the rich cinema of the day you know of the of the 70s you know where 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 do you stand i think i think people are tired of corporate uh cinema which is kind of um you know, companies like Disney and Amazon now with their MGM acquisition, which happened fucking a while ago now, but just this sense of corporate pandering that we've seen in the last couple of years where, like, you, like, I'm not someone to deny anyone's right to be involved or to be included or anything like that, but do it in a way that's creative rather than a corporate like a corporate like almost like an advertisement you know what i mean like it just kind of feels like a lot of films nowadays kind of play the safe route and don't really allow artistic flow or creation or people just go with what they know that's why you see like a bajillion reboots nowadays it's like we've kind of hit like a creative deadlock like no and of course covid and stuff like that and the actors guild and the writers like that's also kind of put things to a halt yeah yeah but i hope that this uh protest brought some better writers you're getting paid more maybe write a little better because i've also been kind of on the books about that is like yeah, you've been kind of shafted in like this the, the, this industry that allows nepotism to thrive and survive for someone like me who's been a little lower class is like, yeah, you don't want that always. But like at the end of the day, you also don't want to feel like pandered to or fucking like your hand held or, you know what I mean? There's just a, like a lot of films nowadays just feel like corporate pandering or very safe and secure. And, you know, not every film is going to obviously be about me or 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 focus on my life or 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 be my interests but i think universally people are kind of tired about films not really exploring kind of life at its fullest or being safe with story because like a lot of movies that are on the main stage are quite cookie cutter and boring you know what i mean like and like there's a lot of films that 
are smaller now that are that are appearing that don't get a lot of traction that are really good and i think i think we're kind of getting out of that now and i think as a society we're kind of getting out of that whole like you know everything's fucking woke blah 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 like we're we're slowly kind of allowing ourselves to be kind of like together there people can have what they want and indulge in and enjoy it you know more scorsese films coming out you had oppenheimer come out but you also had movies like barbie which are really good that it really explored sort of that like empowerment for women and 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 allowed like it, it felt like a, it wasn't just like oh barbies and dolls it was like actually like a movie about finding that identity in yourself and being in I can't speak for women, but being empowered in yourself and feeling that power and like not not I like the guys in the movies were obviously like some of them were low test pushovers, but like people <laughs> like Gosling's character that's like a douchebag. It's like you know what I mean. Like he's the to- I don't like to use it a lot, but like the toxic masculinity or like certain buzzwords like that. It's like you know what I mean. Like there was characteristics of him that were not fond of. Or not good to have, but like they were able to portray that without it just being like men bad all the time. It's mm-hmm. like no, like so. I think we're starting to break out of that sort of sphere now, where people are kind of getting out of that hysteria or like the 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 kind of like political tribalism that we've experienced these last few years. And I think COVID and just being locked away kind of allowed people to really let the worst of them come out. So it's nice to see change there but i think uh our main problem is corporations and corporate movies and i think just all these reboots or all these shitty remakes or all these shitty adaptations is getting boring and people want something to consume that actually is indulging for the brain and it doesn't matter where you are in any sphere uh, doesn't matter doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, or where you're from, or who you align with, or whatever. Everyone wants something to indulge into. No one wants to be pandered to. Doesn't matter who you are, and, and like no one wants to feel like you're being displayed as an advertisement. Make good stories. Make people feel heard. Make people feel like it's real. Because there's plenty of stories out there for people who don't have a voice that can be heard. But it can also be interesting and not like some political display piece or some corporate advertisement, mm-hmm. you know. So that's pretty much my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think uh, the corporate aspect and the safe aspect, I really uh, agree with. Um, too many films, I feel nowadays, especially in the blockbuster genre, feel like they're made by committee. I don't feel like there's a voice there's a there's a there's a there's a like a director's voice behind it i feel like there's a director and there's a writer but they're trying to juggle so many demands from how the studio might want the you know the picture to look or or whatever so it's and it, it makes for a it makes for content rather than a film right that's how that's how it feels like to me mm-hmm. marvel movies have struggled with that a lot I'm not a big Indiana Jones fan, but I've heard a lot of the same people say that about the Dial of Destiny. A lot of people just said it was like, it was all right, you know, it was okay. But, you know, risks is, is another thing you mentioned. I think as a storyteller, like what, 
what's the reason why why should I watch your movie? You know, why should I watch the story you're telling? What like I I don't want to feel safe. No, I, I, I want you if I feel angry because of the message and, and the themes that you're trying to tell me, like that's something at least. Yeah, that's something. I don't want to just walk out and say like I would rather somebody say like if I made a movie, I'd much rather somebody walk out and say that shit was fucking terrible rather than like yeah. it, was, it was okay. I think that's the ultimate insult because your movie didn't do anything overtly wrong, but it didn't also do anything memorable. It's something that by the time I get home, I'm going to be thinking about eating my fucking nachos and I'm already, that's already going to be faded in my, like the movie I just saw, it's already going to be a distant memory. So yeah, I would say, uh, too many movies made by committee, like you said, playing it safe is never going to go well. Uh, which if you know make a take a risk uh you look at Oppenheimer a 3 hour biopic about people sitting in rooms talking that's a risk most films doing that would probably not make a lot of money but no one you know he 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 rolled the dice and it worked out he made a great film Killers of the Flower Moon is another example now it didn't yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon didn't make a lot of money uh, but it, once again, it's a risk. I like the film. Uh, it's three and a half hours long, yeah. and it's it's about a very it's about very dark subject matter, and and it gives a voice to people who traditionally in this industry don't have a voice. Exactly. But it also isn't safe in the sense of like creating not like falsehoods or like these like glorifications or anything but it's like yeah like these are people who went through strives and like were abused and like you know like yeah like they had their trust abused by someone like and it was like talked about like and described in graphic detail where i could actually like genuinely be like yeah I've, i'm and there was also like a lot of like indigenous culture in the movie and little touch, like the ending credits having the the cultural show and displaying language and the open, like the opening endings of that, and and, and just like it was like a it, they stuck to the story. They didn't mm-hmm. add anything where it was like a happy ending. Like no, like they stuck with the story. They made this. They made their the voices heard, and I felt like I was actually opening my experience as a human being rather than just kind of sitting there and going yeah i know the world's bad world's evil yes. yeah like talk about that take that risk and they and yeah like be honest there's a lot of times in that movie where it could be cut short but that's just his way of making films they're all fucking long but like mm-hmm. yeah. stuff like that where you can have those just like the, the like stuff like that just make more movies that aren't like either a superhero film or some like walk of life millennial film and i'm not judging people who like those like i like the occasional superhero film here and there i'm not those millennial walk of life kind of people like you know what i mean like there's just too many of that stop showing california life okay show the rest of the world a little more right stop there's showing more, yeah there's suburbia, other parts of the world fucking, besides yeah california I, yeah I agree. It's, it's just like you know it's just all these like it's all these Silicon Valley guys sucking each other off. Like I don't. What about my, what about my or your life in like Canada or like what? And we're getting our voice a little more now. We're starting to batter ways in, and we've always had our kind of thing here and there. But like, 
I don't know. It's just like I'm tired of like Silicon Valley telling me like all this shit or like you should think and say about this. Like, no, get people like that's why films like Killers of the Flower Moon who had people who like, yeah, are descendants or like understand that culture working on that film and taking the historical time to study a culture and be like, yeah, like this didn't happen, but this mm-hmm. happened or this isn't how people conduct their, their selves. They do it this way. Like things like that is interesting. Not being like, you know, like just, I don't know. There's just some glorification or total lie. Like, Yeah, I, I agree. It is important to recognize a, a big criticism of Kills of the Flower Moon from a lot of people in the indigenous community and specifically the Osage community have said that the film doesn't give enough spotlight to those that were actually affected and it focuses too much on the perpetrators and DiCaprio and it does that's yeah. a fair argument and and look I'm not I'm a white guy so I'm not gonna sit here and try and say you're wrong like that's no, how they feel that, yeah. yeah for me personally I think that in my opinion it focused it, two things one I think narratively I just think there's a narratively it works out why they work why they focus on DiCaprio and De Niro and then secondly it's like I I get what the what Scorsese is trying to do. He's not glorifying it. He's showing what happened. He's showing the true evil from the evil's point of view. It's by I, the I, book. It's, yeah. like, and it's obviously all a historical thing. And I get what people are saying about yeah. being in their perspective majority of the time. Like, it, at face value, it looks bad. You know what I mean? This is a movie about, like, indigenous struggles and you got, like, the white guy taking up the screen time. Like, sure. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I understand that. But it's also the fact that these people aren't glorified as good people. They're showing what they're doing behind yeah. the scenes. And they're, they're like, over time, you're supposed to, like, think this is the point of his films. It's, it's constantly, you have to kind of keep track of things. Like, it's like, it's showing you over time him being like, no, I can't do this to just getting sucked into it, but then becoming this, like, evil person who will do it. Like, you're showing his. Div- like, you're showing the, the evolution of his character to be more like his uncle. And to take that mantle and become that evil person, and then like, it's showing you like the the maniacal uh, hand rubbing from behind, like it's just like total like evil fat cat BS. But like I could understand that like my point of it is like there's parts that are too long, and some parts with them could yeah. be changed to have a little more of their perspective. I agree, I agree there, but like I yeah. understand why it was written that way and shown that way it's one of those things where i don't think either side is wrong i would have liked to have seen more from molly's molly burkhart which is played by lily glasson who did a great job absolutely but i also understood why scorsese made the choice he did with the way he told this film what would have made it an issue is if they tried to like redeem will bill hale which is de niro's character like make them like they didn't no same for dicaprio like they they show the honest truth of what happened they're fucking terrible they're monsters and it it succeeded in like i had no empathy i didn't i had no empathy for dicaprio's character like for example the scene where his daughter dies normally like you know you would feel bad for the character i had a hard time feeling emotional for him like obviously it's terrible that his daughter died but it's like you've assisted in the poisoning and killing of like because of your secret actions. espionage genocide, the, yeah. you're responsible for this. It's like it's hard for me to feel bad for you in this moment that your daughter died. So, yeah, it's uh, it yeah, it's just like it culturally it should show more, but like the context given is that these are two guys trying to wipe out this like indigenous oil tycoon, and like mm. they're saying like espionage and like 
fucking genocide by proxy essentially (laughs) it's like yeah it's like they show the bad guys a little much i'll say but there's a context given as to why that is it's showing you like his like like i said before evolution into getting into this game almost and, mm-hmm. and, and just slowly absorbing himself into the money into the greed and wealth and like it shows you that the the greed that these men had in them didn't get them what they wanted to strip them of everything and they don't get the last laugh but exactly i agree that more screen time could have been shown to the, to the uh, indigenous peoples rather the osage community the yeah. osage yeah. yes rather than like just like because like a lot of the osage show and there's a lot of like moments where it's like kind of diminishing they're like you know like you got the one guy who's like an alcoholic like yeah you could have like his slow like crippling depression and like manic behaviors is like a very good way to show like the the pain and suffering of these people like in just one guy alone who's like watched his like whole family die essentially and this guy's acting like he's all nice but he's the fucking reason so it's like when you know that you sit there and watch it and you're like fuck like this guy's just evil like that like you said you don't feel empathy no. and that's the, that's what i mean by like having a thought throughout the entire film you got to kind of keep up catch up like you got to be like yeah that happened because of this that guy died because of this like the movie in there showing them so much i feel like was a way of being like you hate them every more every single fucking second that they're there Mm -hmm. the more you feel like these guys are just total greasy scumbags like and you don't really think about it too much at first or don't really realize like what inherently is happening but like the way that they kind of like go like the the slow realization of like the poisoning and like it's like yeah you they show his perspective a lot because he's getting caught in the act like he's slowly losing yeah. the the trust so yeah that was a good film but i agree with I, I yeah, like you said, I don't think any side's wrong, and I think that there was things in that film that could be different for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's not. It's yeah. There's cer- I certainly have my issues with the movie. It's a little long. <laughs> it's a little long, and um, yeah, it's so tough though because it's long. It, it's long, but if I think like, okay, what do you take out? It's hard to really. I think the movie. I think I think the movie just kind of needs to be what it is in terms of length. Yeah. In my opinion, it's just a lot. Right, so I just think with the time, with how long that film is, there could have been a lot less filler per se, yeah, or a lot less just like it's not like I'm not like I'm not like an action person where it's like everything has to be. You don't need jangling keys in front of you. No, and I don't need like a Family Guy clip in the bottom corner to keep my attention span. You know, I don't have (laughs) to play Surfer at the bottom. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't watch this movie. I have TikTok brain rot. But it's just like fucking like. Yeah. There's just some moments where it's like I'm sitting there and it's like I feel like I'm like. Like I don't. Like I know what you mean. Like, but I like I found the movie ninety five percent interesting. It's just some moments where they're just having these like heartfelt talks. It's like okay, wrap it up a bit. Mm-hmm. We get the context. You don't need mm-hmm. to like hold my hand throughout the whole conversation. Like you can kind of go the fuck back to the movie. Like it's part yeah. of the film, but like add a little more. Okay, like do a yeah. little more with the time given. All right, so let's. Move on. Unless you have anything else you want to say, but I think that was a very, those are good discussion. I think we can wrap that one there. Um, now let's move on to our next topic. Okay, so do you think Barbenheimer will ever happen again? No, I agree. I don't think so. I think uh, that was just such a weird fucking like meme 
or like shit posts that just kind of happened and i think just the complete contrast of films and just the cult like i don't know just like the 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 the, the shit post culture that came out of it which is like it's a one and done i don't think that Will there be movies that kind of have the same vibe or aesthetic that come out at the same time? Oh, for sure, because that's just that's just media and film. Like, there's just times in the year where a lot of things <coughs> come out at once, especially, like, video games, for instance. Like, October, November, most games that are big or announced early in the year or whenever, that's usually when they come out Yeah. later in the year. Same for kind of movies, you know? It's like a midway through the year and then the end of the year maybe less now because of the streaming culture now that like around this time it gets kind of dead but for the most part for like years it was like around this time or like a month or two before is where everything kind of drops so will there be movies that are in like that same aesthetic Mm -hmm. yes but do i think that they'll have the same click or the same kind of energy no not in a million years i don't think that'll ever happen again and um yeah, I think uh, I, I I saw Oppenheimer, but I probably should have saw Barbie, so I could be like, I was one of those Barbie. Have you not I, seen it? I've never seen Barbie. Oh, you got to see it. Yeah. it. It is good. Barbie is. I think Barbie's hilarious. I think it's awesome. I've, but, uh, I've seen a lot of clips and like yeah. Sarah's character or whatnot. I just I, I I like seeing some Canadian faces in the yeah. film, and I like seeing some familiar faces in the film. You know what's funny? Barbie has quite the Canadian. Kid. There's like what three, four guys there. Was Simu Liu in that movie? Yep. Yeah, so one, Sarah Gosling. That's three right Who, there. Who's Sarah? who's Sarah? Who are you referring to? Michael Sarah. Was he in the film? Was he Alan? Oh, yeah, Michael Sarah. Yeah, yeah. As, as uh, Alan. Yeah, so they, like, you, there you go. You got three guys from, like, fucking Ontario right there. I love Barbie. It was, yeah, it was good. I can sh- shout out to the Canadian actors coming out, fucking. Hey, man, we, 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 we produce uh, good talent. We always have, yeah. yeah. It's just our voice is not always. The best example is this, is um, when Back to the Future was in such a prime, mm-hmm. such a hype, they called Mike, uh, They called Michael J. Fox an American treasure. The guy's from fucking Canada. Is he actually? Yeah, he's Canadian. I did not know that. Michael J. Fox is a Canadian boy. I don't know, I think he's from the West Coast or something yeah. like that, but like, like they literally would be like, he's, a, he's a, an American icon from Back to the Future. It's like, the guy's Canadian. Mm-hmm. Shatner and Star Trek. Oh, great uh, American franchise. Like, that guy's Canadian. That's the main head, and he's Canadian. I didn't know that either. Yeah, Shatner's from Montreal or something. He's Damn. from Quebec. Like, he, he's from, Quebec. like, the Bonisher Valley. Like, he, yeah. he, he does, he's not, I don't know if he's French-Canadian, but he sure as shit doesn't sound like it. So yeah. he's on that, like, border there where it's like, you know. I've been out there, folks. If you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean. It's like a fine line between what we sound like to a French Canadian. So you know, it's a little French it's a fine, it's a fine little line there. To my French Canadians out there, no hatred, but uh, fuck the Habs. So <laughs> my dad would uh, would not be happy to hear that right now because my family's from Quebec. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, um, yeah, no, Barbenheimer. I agree. It will never happen again. You're gonna find a lot of movies. And a lot of marketing companies for these films trying to replicate that, but you can never put the genie back in the bottle. So it was really like, you know, I don't know how I feel about social media. I prefer it not exist. I, I like the way life was before it. But Barbenheimer is a example of like the good things that the that social media and that the internet can can make happen because that, that was all the internet. And I saw I was watching one of those actors on actors. Uh, conversations with Killian and Margot Robbie 
And Margot said that uh, people were coming up to her on the street and saying like, you know, wow, like this is so genius that the marketing companies are doing this. And she's like, no, no, like this is all the internet. This isn't us. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good example of, of, you know, memes and everything kind of, you know, elevating uh, the popularity of, of movies and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, I think the most important aspect of it is, is that the movies were good. The movies were both incredible. And I, I think that's what actually brought a lot of people in besides, you know, the, the internet frenzy and all that. I think that's a major factor too, is that both films were masterpieces in their own right. Mm-hmm. And like I said before about uh, a creative, um, Exploring creativity and being uh, and having a, a a genuine message behind a film is kind of things that have been lacking recently. Yep, and it's kind of hard to not have. These are both great. Um, the, they both have great messages, you know, for like women and their voice and then and, and themselves. And Barbie's a huge cultural thing, right? But it's like. In my life, you know, seeing women, you know, like I have a lot of women in my life who are hardworking individuals. Like I've never saw a woman as like just someone like in that. Like the nuclear family for me in my life never really existed. Mm-hmm. But like, um, Same. yeah, like, you know, like if you have a lot of women in your life for people out there and if you really care for them and want them to have a voice and say and you actually genuinely mean that you're not some like fa- f- uh, fucking male feminist like little rodent because that's what I think they are they're fucking pussyless rodents um, so it's like you know if you genuinely care and have a voice or you want people to have a voice and you and I think that film at face value you're like oh a Barbie movie but with the they did the right thing, and then Oppenheimer mm-hmm. is like, it's pretty hard to fuck that one up, you know what I mean? That's a pretty yeah. serious thing. This is the, 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 the this is the discovery of something that could literally wipe us off the face of the earth in an instant. So, like, yeah, to someone who's, like, a big Fallout nerd, absolutely loves <laughs> the saying, franchise, like, yeah. just, learn, just being like Oppenheimer, being like, we just destroyed the world, didn't we? It's like, yeah, you did. Uh, I think a lot of games would show you that, pal. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, It's it's like, it's such a it's like the message with Oppenheimer in my perspective is like being like knowledge is power, but do you use that power? Mm-hmm. What the hell could that lead to? When you have a bunch of geniuses creating something that's meant to destroy the enemy, it's like, how far do you go? And of course, you know, for those war history buffs like myself or in like those, uh, those who are into political history like myself, it's definitely a movie to dulge into because you see a lot of these things. At, what I really like about that movie, too, is it's not just about World War II. It's not just about Oppenheimer in that stage. It's also the Red Scare and the, uh, the you know, is he a communist and McCarthyism and all that. Like, you know, the, the rise of the Red Scare is something that, like... It's based off that book, and that book goes on to the, uh, to the whole communism this thing. This one right the, here? Yeah, that one right there, American Prometheus. I'm just gonna take a. It's a big ass book. Yeah, so this uh, this uh, bogey smoking rebel here made a big old bomb, and uh, <laughs> he uh, lived the rest of his life regretting it. It's I just summed up the whole story for you. I'm I'm death destroyer world, so you know. Uh, I become death. <laughs> get this nerd out of my office. Yes. Yeah. Get that crybaby out of here. <laughs> Don't let that crybaby back in here. <laughs> 
that I'll, I'll give them credit where it's due there. Uh, the fact that they actually uh, added that conversation was, I know it's not supposed to be funny, but it was hilarious. No, yeah, yeah. Because, it, like, this yeah. is, like... The Especially p- when you get Gary Oldman, this fucking Oscar-winning <laughs> actor, to pull up for his For, like, cameo. five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of, like... Context given, obviously, it's a pretty fucked up thing. This is a guy who made, like, with a group of people, obviously, not just himself. He made literally a weapon that could destroy an entire society in the fucking blink of an eye. However, the president of the United States literally calling you a crybaby cuck is it's kind of... it's, it's Sorry, it's funny, folks. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's it's, it's kind of funny. And the fact that that's a real conversation backs that hilarity up. Yeah. What a douche. <laughs> So, should we as actors worry about AI taking our jobs in, let's say, 10 years? No. You know, I had this worry of myself as someone who wants to get into voice acting and as someone who really likes seeing all these AI memes come out and seeing AI kind of flourish in its own thing. I'm not going to lie to you. It's really interesting and really fun to see. But for an actor or an artist, it's scary. And I feel more... I think... The, the, the artists that need to worry the most are painters. And I think that mm-hmm. people are still going to want authentic human art, but with AI kind of getting intelligent with the photo aspect of, uh, of, of cre- image creation is a really scary thing. But I think at the end of the day that people are going to still want things made by humans and AI is still very far away from being any sort of competition at all other than just an assistance but i will say with disney um i don't know if you heard about this but they actually used ai in their newest animated film which one i can't remember the name so bear with me here folks but from what i heard is that the uh composer for a lot of pixar's films or a lot of just disney films like enchanted tangled those kind of films with that that the the music composer there they supposedly used ai to replicate his writing style for a song and i seen that pop up for a little bit so in context i feel like for actors there's not going to be too much of a worry but I feel like for the, the true handymen and for the true people that really craft things and help build the structure of, let's say, a film, they're going to have a worry. And I think that in a lot of industries over the years that we've seen become automated, like the automotive industry, that's my main concern. It's not us. It's the manufacturers. It's the people who create those scripts. It's the people who create those things. They're going to have the problem. The people who have to physically in a sense, write or draw or paint, that's going to be the issue. But for actors, I don't think so. I think that people are still going to want authentic human acting. And I think for even voice actors that it's still far away. And I think that with the the union talks and protection and I think just the ultimate uproar that it gives, people aren't going to give in to that. Yeah. And I think just um, they'll learn to coexist they will be used. I'm sorry, folks, but AI will be used in a lot of not just acting. You're already seeing analysts and people doing numbers getting their jobs replaced by AI because they can do it in a split second. That's just that's the con of the of the technology age and advancement of the of, of technology. It'll but, be used as a tool. Yeah, absolutely. And that tool unfortunately is gonna take away a lot of 
the industry. But I think, not to sound greedy or sound so self-centered, I think for actors, we still have a saving grace. I agree. Um, I was worried about this. And, yeah, I, I, I think that manufacturers and I think they are... They they they're, they're, they could be in trouble. Um, I think that AI will reach a point where people could just say, "Oh, I want to see a movie with so and so," and and but I I think it's hard it's hard to say. I I, I agree. I think people are always going to want to see that true human element, mm-hmm. and it's because of those imperfections. Nobody's going to want to watch a perfect movie. No. A perfect smorgasbord manufactured movie from typing a few key buzzwords and and like I want to see uh, Wolverine fight against Batman or like <laughs> that'll be fun for a 10 minutes bit, yeah. you know but for an entire movie and you know the for for a whole theatrical experience I think it's those human imperfection and those human conditions that I think are always going as long as we exist those are always going to I think draw an audience uh, yeah, and it goes back to the whole you know corporate pandering BS or just you know safe films or just no soul in them, right? Like it's not like you're seeing directors, artists making them. It's it's a committee. It's people in fucking coats and suits, mm-hmm. suits, and, you yeah. know, telling me what to do, like or telling me what to indulge in. Like, oh yes, peasant, you will watch your. 500th reboot of a Disney film and you will like it. It's just like, no, it's like... Want to see live-action Incredibles? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... Yeah. You know, it was fun when it first came out because, you know, it's like... To put it... I won't ramble too much, but to put it in layman terms, don't use nostalgia as an easy choice. And that's been used uh, for the last couple of years and it'll still be used, but we're slowly getting out of that, so... Yeah. I agree. I think nostalgia within reason. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with being like, oh, I remember this, or having a connection to that, but I feel like... If your movie hinges on nostalgia, you're setting yourself up for failure. There's a creative void there. There's nothing to fucking delve into. You're just... You're just... You just fucking shoot now what's known, like you know what I mean. It's a safe route, like oh, we made this film, we know what it, we know this story, we've mm-hmm. done it a million times, we'll do it again, like with a slight spin. It's like that spin in question is nothing fucking yeah. enthralling. Like it's it's devoid of creativity. I agree. All right, so uh, I think let's r- move on to the final chunk of today's episode. We're gonna play a little game called. Once again, it's not a very clever title. Uh, maybe I'll figure something out in the coming episodes. But for now, I'm just going to call it Keep 4, Kill 2. Oh, boy. And uh, we're going to do eight sets. Each set is going to have six movies. you got to keep four. got to kill two of them. So it's not, I mean, it's not some crazy high-concept game. People kind of already play this. But I think it'd be fun to do it here. And each set is going to have a sort of theme. So set number one is going to be comic book movies. So your six movies here, so you'll go first and I'll, I'll share mine after. So your six options here are The Batman from last year with uh, Robert Pattinson. You got Endgame, No Way Home, Deadpool, The Dark Knight, and Iron Man. Which ones are you killing? Which what ones four are, are you keeping? <sighs> the two-eyed axe? Um... 
this is a tough one here. But I'd say the two that I'd ask to get it out of there is, um, you want to run the numbers down with me again? I kind of get caught up with like a lot of names. I get kind of slow here. So I'd say like one of them I'd probably ask just because I've never really seen it. It's probably Endgame. Uh, and then what was the other five in there? I yeah, no problem. Track. So you got the Batman from last year. You got Endgame, No Way Home, Deadpool, The Dark Knight, and Iron Man. Oh, fuck. That's a hard one. For the second axing, that'd be hard. Um, fuck, that's a good one. I really like No Way Home, and I really like The Dark Knight, and I also like The Batman. So this gets really challenging. <laughs> Um, honestly, just because, like, so when I'm killing them, they don't exist at all? Yeah. Mm, this You're is wiping a- them away. You're like Warner Brothers wiping away Batgirl for a tax credit. It ceases to exist anymore. Probably, as much as I hate to say this, because it's honestly, there's like, I mean, it, it, it the whole point of the movie is to be like, oh my god, look at all of them. I'd say No Way Home. No Way Home? Nah, okay. Just because, like. So you're going to wipe away Endgame, and you said you haven't seen it? I, I wipe it away as a safe choice because, like, it's been out for so many years and I've just That's been true. so drifted away from, like, Marvel. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm just, like, I, if, I don't know, maybe if the second Strange film was in there, I'd ask that, but it'd probably Endgame is a safe yeah. choice because I've seen all the other movies, but, like, yeah. Endgame, I'm, like, I'm probably never going to get around to watching it, so I'm just, like, meh. Hey, I'll just pretend fair. it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. That, that's fair. Uh, for me... Yeah, this is tough. I tried to make this challenging for, for myself, and I wanted uh, hopefully it was challenging for you. I think I would axe... I would axe Iron Man. I love Iron Man. I love all these movies, but... I would axe Iron Man, and I would axe... No Way Home. At least we're on No Way Home. I love Deadpool. The Dark Knight is the Dark Knight. For me, Endgame is a theater theater experience I'll never forget, and the Batman is, I mean, it's it's just, it's just under the Dark Knight for me. Like, I, I, I love the Batman, so. Okay, set number two. This is going to be a comedy edition. Perfect. You got the members, so six films, right? So you got The Big Lebowski, which I know you love, uh, I think. I think you told me yeah, that's yeah. why, yeah. yeah. So you got The Big Lebowski, you got Super Bad. Step Brothers, Dumb and Dumber, Anchorman, and the Forty Year Old Virgin. By the way, let me know if there's any in here that you haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd act super bad. Damn. Honestly, out of all those films, <laughs> I feel like it's still a great film. Yeah. But there's just, in my opinion, that list is just too strong. So I'd, 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 I'd act super bad, and then I'd act. Um, uh, I. See, this one's hard because I really like Anchorman and I really like Step Brothers, but Step Brothers has a bit of a more spiritual thing to me because I've watched that movie with my mom like a million times. I saw that in the theaters when I was seven. Jesus. And the thing oh is, my, my mom, God. not to cut you off, but it was, yeah, it was a funny story. So I'll never forget, it was my, that movie came out, I think, the weekend of my birthday. Yeah. And I knew it was rated R, but I wanted to see it and I didn't tell my mom it was rated R. And, and I said, Mom, can you take me and my friends to go see it? And she she took us to see it, and literally like the first scene, he starts jerking off to the to the to the workout video. Of the, my mom's like, "What? What? What are we here to see?" So yeah. Anyways, uh, continue. Didn't yeah. Do- <laughs> no, I, I honestly, Anchorman would be my second one. But, so wait, what do you? Oh, you're cutting out Superbad Anchorman? Yeah. Okay. That'd be my two. 
And I'm, I know so far I'm probably going to get like fucking crucified by the uh, community here. But. Well, good thing that podcasts don't really have comment sections, at least not that I know. Thank, of, so I think you'll be safe. <laughs> thank God. Just don't just don't search me up, folks. <laughs> All right, so and this is just for fun, guys. I mean, I yeah, we love all. I mean, we like we, all these movies. We, That's, we're just shooting the shit. We're here. just shooting the shit. It's just bar- barber shop talk, you know, basically. And if you disagree with my opinion, well, I'm the one with the mic here, and you're not. So you're not allowed to disagree. You're not allowed to disagree. We're 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 our opinion is is the opinion is the opinion. Yeah. So for me, um, fuck. I'm gonna cut the Big Lebowski. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to cut the Big Lebowski, and then I'm probably going to cut the 40-year-old virgin. Step Brothers, for me, is is my favorite comedy of all time. I think right under that is super bad. And Dumb and Dumber, I, similar to how you have your connection with your mom, I have that with my dad. Me and my dad would, would watch Dumb and Dumber on, on loop. And Anchorman has got so many fucking quotable one-liners. It's, yeah. Okay, number three. This category, I guess, is more of like cinema so so to speak okay so you got once upon a time in hollywood you got pulp fiction you got oppenheimer you got goodfellas you got the social network and uh, no country for old men have you seen that one yes okay. i actually watched that one recently um i would say the social network for one because i think mark zuckerberg is a lizard human and uh <laughs> i don't believe lizard people are real but uh that guy's a robot for sure i don't like zuck so i'm gonna get rid of that film uh, what were the first couple? So, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. Pulp Fiction, yeah. Oppenheimer, Goodfellas, Social Network, and No Country for Old Men. You're gonna you're gonna put me on a spike for this, but out of <laughs> all of those films, I'm gonna have to axe Oppenheimer. Oh uh, no! I, I'm sorry. I no. really like Oppenheimer. Okay, but that's it. We're wrapping it up. That, that's it. Episode's over. You're sorry, guys. Back yeah, I'm gone. I, I really liked Oppenheimer, but you really threw a lot of like. I've seen all of those films, like. <laughs> That's Except okay. for No Country for Old Men, like multiple times. And I, I know love, you've watched this movie yeah. like 10 times. So I'm like, yeah, I'm saying this on this guy's show. I'm going to get fucking killed after <laughs> this episode's done. But that was like, that was like a close, close that's one. That's okay. That's fine. I, you, you asked the, accept it. You asked the big Lebowski, so that's fucking revenge. <laughs> revenge. You revenge. <laughs> so for me, I haven't even really thought about this before because I wanted to make sure yeah. it was real. Fuck. Um, None of this is real. What you're hearing right now is the voices in your head. Your can. This is as candid as as it gets. Welcome to the Schizo Moment Podcast. <laughs> now, okay, Shazwin Sharad, specifically Shazwin, because I know how much you love this movie. I know you're gonna kill me for this if you if you listen to this. I'm gonna have to kill the Social Network. I I appreciate it. I I know how. It's Fincher. I love Fincher. Like, I love the film. It's a great film. Man. I'm going to have to kill it. This is where it really gets tough for me. I love Once Upon a Time. Shout out to Andrew Garfield and the Social Network. Great actor. Amazing actor. Probably the best to play Spider-Man out of the three, in my opinion. That's a, it's a whole other guy. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to that conversation in the next episode. Well, sir. Well, actually, a true Spidey head would know. That Toby <laughs> Maguire. That's my man. Um, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna axe the social network. Fuck, man. Okay. I'm going to axe Goodfellas and Social Network. I know everyone says it's Scorsese's best. 
yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's it's number four, set number four. This is like the horror psychological thriller right. section. So we got The Shining, Get Out, Silence of the Lambs, It, A Quiet Place, and Hereditary. Um, so for me, I've never seen out of those films Hereditary, so for that You've one. never seen Hereditary? Oh, you gotta watch it. Do you like horror films? I'm not really a horror guy, because I'm uh, a pansy, but uh, I, no I, like, I like a lot of gore horror, like, you know? Like, like body horror. Yeah, Kimber, like The Thing, kinda, yeah. or, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. the classics, but, like, I, I'm a pansy at films scare me. That's okay. I mean, hey, I don't watch them alone, so yeah. I, I need a, um, somebody to watch it with. Peel writes, okay, I guess, so I'd have to get rid of Get Out. I thought that was a really good psychological horror, but out of all of these films, if we're going on the horror scale here, we're going on the quality of film, it's a great film, but it does not stand on the same plethora of most of these films, unfortunately, in my opinion. So I'd have to give that one an axe. This is the Rushmore, you know. It's the now yeah, Rushmore. Th- that's the thing. Like, and like it's not the big e- dogs. and not even just like in horror, but just in cinema as a whole. Like a lot of these films kind of have like they they influenced a lot of mm-hmm. modern day films. So it's like it's hard, you know what I mean? Like if 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 it was in like a modern horror kind of thing, it'd be it'd be a good choice. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the plethora of films that are against it. It's getting knocked down. The, you, you know yeah. you mean? Like, this is a uh, fucking... You know, you got a good heavyweight boxer. Let's say, you know, you got fucking... What's his face? I can't even remember. It's kind of drifting by me. But let's just say, you know, you got... Fran- he recently got into boxing. But let's say, like, you got Francis Ngannou, who's a great boxer, great whatever athlete. But his fucking opponents are a prime George Foreman, a prime Ali, mm-hmm. a fucking... You know what I mean? The like heavy hitters. Like, it's just like, you're, you're great, but these guys are the greatest. So it's like... The, the draft class is stacked. Yeah. yeah. What were the other films there? Um, so, uh, so you had The Shining, Get Out, Sounds of the Lambs. You had It, but the the more recent It right. from a few years ago, A Quiet Place and Hereditary. So I'd say Get Out and A Quiet Place. Okay. They're my two. A uh, Quiet Place was a good film, but again, it kind of goes back into like where the rest of these films are in my heart and where I stand on like ranking. It's like mm-hmm. these these other films have a way. These modern horror films, like these two, are great because a lot of like horror films in the last, like I would say, even twenty years have been, or any horror, like whatever it is, have been kind of lackluster. Horror or, and, and comedy have struggled, especially this year. There what, has been a lot of. What's well, like film yeah, franchises a lot of getting? Trash. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just like film franchises getting milked. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it was like when Paranormal Activity came out and they oh, milked God. like a million of those that. films, and now you have the sh- the Nun or whatever getting milked, oh, and I'm like, bro. Like, like, I'm just, like, you know what I mean? Like, again, it goes back to, like, the corporate consumerism of film. Like, I every aspect nun. of of fucking, uh, like, big film in yeah. every aspect is just so, like, cookie cutter nowadays. Or it's yeah. like, let's just make another of this film. It's like, no, do something different or do something. Like, there was, like, this fucking horror film that came out that was made by, like, one guy. <laughs> it was, like, 
whatever. It's like some killer clown. It's like such a generic Terrifier? Fucking, yeah, 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 Terrifier. That movie was made by like one schmuck in some yeah. like is like whatever studio. Some and that dude movie, in his fucking Yeah, some SE, fucking dude yeah. who like was making that movie for like ever. It was yeah. like just some schmuck, like just some Joe, like just like I want to make this movie and that blew up. It's like, you know. People it, love that movie, The Terrifier. I still have yet to see it, but. Yeah, yeah. like in some parts of that film go a little over the top on the gore side. It's like, okay, like yeah. easy there, pal. But like, again, it's like seeing someone kind of push the boundaries or try something or like, you know, it's like, yeah, killer clown. We've seen a million of those, but at least it's something like fresh in a sense where it's, it's new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not. So you're starting to see like, that's a prime example of like it doesn't always matter of the quality of the studio or the quantity of cash. People just want something interesting and good. And a big budget does not mean a good movie. It doesn't equate to a good film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for me, I'm going to cut It and A Quiet Place. I, I like The Quiet Place. I'd say the film was old. Mm. Being a few years detached from it, I think it's a little bit overrated. I think... It came out. I, I, I think the idea of the story is what really carried it. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be silent because these creatures they have, you know, they're blind but they can they have incredible hearing. So yeah, but it's still a good movie. So don't come at me, no folks. Set number five. This is going to be your sci-fi galactic edition. Perfect. So we're gonna we're gonna go a New Hope, Star Wars a New Hope. We're gonna go The Martian. We're gonna go Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Interstellar. 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I threw this last one in for you, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, You know, as someone, honestly, the first couple of films in Star Trek were kind of, so that would be my first act. (laughs) Oh, really? I didn't know that. I haven't seen them. Yeah, they're, uh, because the thing is about the the next generation and whatnot is it started off pretty rough, and a lot of shows, like, they take their time to get their footing, but, like, it was almost like disastrous. It almost yeah. didn't happen. So, and some of the films, from what my friend has said, who's really into it, is that they're like a first couple of films can be slow. Yeah. Um. So I'd probably give that one an axe, just because of like, on the grand scheme of things, they're not the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, obviously things age and things can age well or age poorly. But I'd say on that aspect, uh, at least let's say the first film that they made. It wasn't the the greatest, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then for... I, no, I wouldn't ax that one. You want to rename them again? Sorry, yep. folks, I'm slow. No, you're not slow. You're good, brother. <laughs> uh, we've been going for a while. I mean, we're at two hours and 36 minutes, so this is easily the, this is the longest episode I've ever done. Happy uh, to be part of it. Star Wars, A New Hope. You got The Martian with Matt Damon, Blade Runner 2049, Interstellar 2001 A Space Odyssey, and then Star Trek The Motion Picture. I'd say The, I'd say the Martian. The Martian, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's, like, again, it goes back to the horror thing. Like, all those other films have such a, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey is not only just, like, a horror, like, or sci-fi One horror, of the greatest but it's, films. like, literally, like, a yeah. historical piece. It's, like... People like to throw this film around all the fucking time, but it's like the Citizen Kane of exactly. sci-fi, you know it's, what I mean? Like, it's it's what spawned a lot of these, like, the horror of AI and stuff. And, and like, mm-hmm. 2001 A Space Odyssey was, like, ahead of its time in that sense. Absolutely. Critics hated it when it came out. It and was not received very no, well. No, yeah. it, it, it's, like, it's like the thing, you know what I mean? When the thing first came out, it didn't do well. 
but over time it it, it gained like a cult following like sometimes it takes it's sometimes movies are slow burners in popularity you know what i mean but also of that time too right where it's like talking like the 70s 80s here where it's like you know you're only a decade or two away from like the golden age or the dying age of golden age of cinema so it's like you still have that generation of like pompous people you know it's like i don't want to listen to the transatlantic accent all the time like <laughs> honey i'm home <laughs> i'm home honey I, uh, how, where's my roast beef <laughs> how dare you it's like so like you know of the time people were like especially a movie like the fucking thing it's like oh my god it's like, <laughs> the whoa. transatlantic accent that's kind of like how oppenheimer talked he sort of had that like the world will remember this day. Yeah, but it's like, it helps <laughs> yeah. with the... Co- it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, fucking yeah. 30s and 40s. So exactly, it's like fair, yeah. but like... You had your company, man, and, and everything. But yeah. it wasn't like a golden age cinema film. No, I call it the no. fucking bronze age. <laughs> no, I mean, you look at every interview of like your favorite filmmakers, All like mostly all of them will always throw out 2001 A Space Odyssey. So. Yeah. All right, so for me, I'm going to take out... Uh, I mean, Star Trek, the motion picture, I have not seen it, so maybe it's unfair. And, yeah, I'd probably take out The Martian. Yeah. Okay. Set number six. This is a kid's edition. So some of our childhood favorites here. Perfect. So we got Toy Story, the original, The Incredibles, E.T., The Lion King, Shrek, and Finding Nemo. This might be the toughest one. This might be the toughest set. Ah, this is... Fucking oh man, uh, I don't want to axe any of these films. Neither man. do I. <laughs> Run! I, I gotta! I gotta! I gotta hear every one of them again. I right. I, I need to like think hard. I, I respect it. Take your time. This is this is we got the this is the fate of the world. On, on yeah, so we got Toy Story, The Incredibles, E. T., The Lion King, Simba, Shrek, and Finding Nemo. <laughs> if you can't you can't see but Grady is currently he's he's struggling he's, he's existential this, dread this is a form of torture this is a form of military torture um ladies and gentlemen before I say my first acts I just want you to know that this is a great film and I have nothing but love and respect for the film but I'd have to say E.T. No, I, no. I, I, uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ax it, man. Just, just oh, too many of these fucking geez. other films are holding such a. I, oh. I watched that film. I remember on VHS seeing like advertisements for it yeah. in the middle of my VHS films and being like kind of like low key terrified of ET. That but movie then like fucked me up, man. That movie like, is fucking the sad. Scene where, <laughs> even the scene where he just throws the baseball into the shed and ET throws it back. That would always, like, send me. Or when he's, like, lying on, on the, like, out in his backyard and he falls asleep with Skittles on his, on his, uh, whatever, his, like, waist on the, on the blanket. And the E.T. just, his little sausage finger hand just, uh, just comes <laughs> It's, it's fucking, that movie, like, behind the scenes is also, like, the kid thought that the E.T. was, like, real and shit. So it's, like, <laughs> fucking, like, that poor fucking kid. Yeah. Like, oh my god. But, like, that'd be my first one. <laughs> Uh, the rest of the table gets really fucking hard because I've had all these films on VHS and I seem like, ha, like I fucking, yeah. 
I'll tell you one thing. The Incredibles ain't going nowhere because I saw that in theaters as a kid. That was like the first film I saw in theaters, and I still remember that day clearly, and I have a horrible... That was the first movie. The Peter Jackson one? Peter Jackson one. Yeah, I had the... uh, Folks, if you ever played the Peter Jackson's uh, King Kong the video game, you'd understand that that was not a good game for someone to play who was like six or seven years old. Um, It probably explains a lot, but yeah. So... um, Man, if I'd have to say, really, like, fuck, this is hard. I, I genuinely can't. I knew this was gonna be a tough one. I was like, fuck, man, I can't even like look uh, at this. And you gotta, you gotta pick one. One's gotta go. That's the rules. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Okay. Because I, I love Finding Nemo, but like, I've seen that movie a million times. So it's like, if it just died and didn't exist, I, 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 I I'd be fucking sad because like, it's a great, it's a masterpiece. The fucking music, everything, like fuck, man. But I'd have to, I'd have to sadly axe find an email. Yeah, for me, my untouchable is Toy Story. I, I could never, no, get rid of that one. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. This is gonna be tough. I'm gonna, and I'm not just saying it because you, you have an experience with it. I'm gonna have to axe Incredibles, and I'm gonna have to axe Finding Nemo. Swore. <laughs> it's an act of fucking this guy. So this guy's like this oh. is. I, I just committed an act of war. It's <laughs> fucking this guy. Okay, we're narrowing down. We got we're two good. sets left. This oh. is television edition. Oh. You know, you know what one is going to be on here. You know what one not is bad. Gonna, not bad. Okay, I don't. So <laughs> I don't. All right. So we got Breaking Bad. So this is Sopranos. You knew it was going to be there. Family Guy. Stranger Things, Better Call Saul. I don't know if you've seen this last one, Sons of Anarchy. I've seen Sons of Anarchy, yeah. Okay. Uh, Stranger Things, not Same. In, not interested, and I think it's overrated. Same. And I think no disrespect to any of the people who work on that show, but personally, I'm just not a fan, and I kind of find just the cult, cult following with Stranger Things to be like Reddit cringe, and I'm just... <laughs> I just despise. It's a little obnoxious. It, yeah. it is. It's, it's it's a cult. At it this it point. is a cult, and it's like Stranger you know, Things is the only thing that exists to Stranger Things fans. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like you know what I mean. You can like what you like, but it's just like mm-hmm. it's become such a cult following that I'm just like I'm just totally not interested. Is a cult. Yeah, that it literally is a cult. Vecna. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'd probably say out of the rest of those shows, I'd have to go with Sons of Anarchy. It's a really great Damn. show. But I can't axe Breaking Bad. I'm not going to axe The Sopranos. I'm not going to axe fucking Better Call Saul. It's just not going to happen. I might be a Gilligan cuck there. Um, And, you know, I'm a Sopranos guy. So um, I really like crime TV. And out of all those crime shows... I was going to throw in The Wire in here. If you threw in The Wire, I probably would have axed that. Because I liked The Wire, but The Wire is a bit overhyped. And, you know, the early 2000s kind of shown that. Where, like... Mm-hmm. Everyone was like always shitting on the wire for being overhyped. Like Family Guy did a fucking episode on it, or like a gag about it. It's like you will recommend the wire to everyone. I will <laughs> recommend the wire to yeah. everyone. It's like you know what I mean. It's like it, it's one of those shows where it's like everyone watches it. It's almost like it's like the Beats headphones of TV. Mm-hmm. It's like I watch it or I wear it because I'm with the crowd. It's like I couldn't care. Yeah, that applies for all of the shows, but. 
You know what? You know, I, I, I scoffed when you said Sons of Anarchy, but actually looking at this list, I think this is the first time where I have the same picks as you. I would act Stranger Things. Now, I, I like the Stranger Things maybe a little bit more than you do. I would consider myself a fan of it. I like it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with it, and I'm certainly not, you know, one of those super, yeah. super fans. Uh, but yeah, so I would, uh, I would act as Stranger Things. And just because of how strong this list is, I will have to act Sons of Anarchy. But I fucking love the Sons of Anarchy. Alright, we're almost done. We are, holy shit, we are almost at three hours. This is the this is the fucking... Director's line. cut, This right? is the, the premium episode yeah. right here. You can only listen to this if you have Patreon. Yeah, okay. you subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. Um, okay. Read my books. <laughs> I. That's a whole conversation for another day. I can't stand people that lock content behind patreon but anyways let's uh i get people gonna make a living and, and everything like that but anyways final set this is the action set mm. all right so set number eight we got john wick man just trying to avenge his dog inception top gun maverick inglorious bastards the matrix and mad max fury road Mad Max Fury Road. I love it, but it's got to go. It's got to go. I could watch the old Mad Max and, you know, I can play pretty much any fucking post-apocalyptic game and get the same satisfaction because Mad Max quite literally invented that genre. Mm-hmm. So I give it its credit where it's due, but the newer films, nah, whatever. They're kind of mad in my mind. Um... What are the other five again? So John Wick, Inception, Top Gun, Maverick, and Glorious Bastards, The Matrix. Probably The Matrix. Yeah, it's it's a great film, but it's overhyped. And I think that the it's it's a good film, but it's overhyped. Mm-hmm. It's not the it's not the bee's knees as everyone would like to say. <laughs> um, like it's like I watched it. Like yeah, and you know it's it's. It's an interesting film, but I don't think it's like it should be on the pedestal that it's on. But that's my opinion, and my opinion is not outright. Your opinion's wrong. I'm kidding. It is probably, but like again. movies and art is objective. There is only one it's correct ob- answer. It's objective, but you're also wrong. It's objective. Go fuck yourself. You're wrong, and I'm going to, I'm going to yell at you. I'm gonna explain to you why. I'm gonna point at you and go fuck you. Citizen Kane is the only great cinematic film that has ever been conjured. Okay, anyways. All right, my picks. Now, I think this is probably where I'm going to get the most hate. Because for a lot of people, this is their favorite Nolan film. Do you ever have a movie where you watch it and it's loved by universally everyone, but for some reason it just never hits you the same? For some people, it's The Godfather. For me, Inception has always been that film. I have, I it's one of those films where I respect it more than I actually enjoy it. I I, I appreciate it. I understand why people enjoy it, but I have tried. I've rewatched it countless times. I just don't know what it is. It's just one of those films there. It's, it's universally loved. I've just never been able to share that same love for it. So respect it, but I'm gonna have to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Top Gun Maverick. I think Top Gun Maverick was... A, I, I don't like throwing the overrated term out a lot, but I do think Top Gun Maverick was one of those overrated movies from, mm-hmm. from last year. So yeah, I'm going to throw out Inception, 
and Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to keep the rest. All right, everybody. I think... I think that's going to call it today. I think that'll be the end of this wonderful journey. Thank you for program, for scheduling, for coming into this regular scheduled programming. You, you better you better listen, because if you don't, we're going to cry and, you know, the rest of those things. going to cry, going to piss your pants, shit and come, all of it. We're going we're gonna to do everything possible. Please listen. Please pay attention. Please enjoy. And uh, before we go, I just want to say thank you, Nicholas, for having me on this wonderful show. And if thank you. you don't enjoy and share this episode, I will start a Kickstarter out of pity. Uh, and you must uh, like it. Uh, thank you. I will force my good man here to hide every podcast behind a paywall if you don't listen to it and like and share and subscribe please oh my god like share and subscribe guys if you <laughs> like this episode i will watch the room on repeat uh for 12 hours straight i i will With watch Tommy Wiseau. i will watch stranger things <laughs> yes you'll watch it no problem brother i thank you for coming on it was a great episode and a pleasure would love to have you on again and oh definitely three hours man basically i did not expect to go that long but originally folks we had it planned for like just over an hour just and over, hey you know what we, we let the conversation flow that's so. what makes it interesting you know all right everybody i know look i'm not i'm not going to be one of these creators that like that says oh hey guys sorry i haven't been around i know that this podcast is small i know that not a lot of people really listen to this if you did stick around till this late, jokes aside, I do want to thank you. Cheers. Uh, it was, you know, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we hope that you had a few laughs, a few giggles. Uh, and yeah, well, uh, I I will try and consistently make some more podcasts. But as I said in the beginning, acting school is a fucking full-time job. And I work a part-time job on top of that to pay the bills for me to go to acting school. So I am on Christmas break though, so I will probably I will be squeezing out another episode uh, after the holidays, giving my ranking all the films I saw that came out in 2023. Sorry. And uh, yeah, but that's gonna wrap it up, guys. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for stopping by. Thank you. I was Nicholas Doucette. I am Brendan Grady, but you can just call me Grady. Grady, where can people find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Instagram as uh, Grady, and you'll just see a bunch of dashes, like under under dashes or those little lines under. Put a couple of there, put Grady, and then put a couple more. You'll see a zoomed face with some guy staring into your soul with a funny-looking bench beanie hat. That's your boy. Uh, I used to do a lot of comedy skits and stuff, but because, like Nicholas has said with his podcast in school, I have it as much. But if you like seeing photography or the occasional shit post, you could find me at Grady on Instagram. We're busy, I promise. We're not sitting around twiddling with our belly buttons eating Doritos. Nope. We're busy men. We're, we're learning how to act. We're learning how to pretend. All right, guys. Peace, y'all. Ladies, gentlemen. Have a great night. Good night. Happy holidays. Please listen to the podcast. Peace out.